Well, hello. It is Friday, May 1st. Stacked show. Stacked show. Please remember to send me your tweets. Hashtag this is where I'm at, Pat. We gave away 100 shirts in the last two weeks. Hopefully giving away a lot more. Take a picture where you're listening at right now. Want to see you? Want to see how you're hanging out during the quarantine from the COVID nineteen? All right, let's get to it, huh? Remember, if you like this show, tell a friend. If not, just act like it never fucking happened. Here we go. Trent, let's handle this right now. Trent, Trent, you got me. Yeah, Elite 11 coach, Tua's trainer, Super Bowl champion, a man who has said terrible things about punters and kickers, Trent Dilfer. Trent, why do you have, why did you have, listen, Trent, I didn't want to hate you earlier, you know, I didn't want to. You were saying bad things about kickers and punters back in the day. Do you remember that? You were on like a little bit of a tear there against kickers and punters. I, I'm only a truth teller, Pat. My no, that's right. I don't my need best to hear friends that. Are, my best friends are kickers and punters. I just hired Phil Dawson. Oh, well, that, hey, by the way, that makes me feel like you're a very for the brand guy. <laughs> I love Phil. Uh, I was see. I built your guys' brand before guys like you had a voice. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, Trent, I respect you. You're coming on the coattails, baby. I built your guys' <laughs> Oh, Trent. Because I said you guys were online shoppers. And- oh, Trent. I don't need that. It wasn't just you, by the way. There was a bunch of meatheads up there that I just, you know, I had I had to mute the television whenever you guys were talking because this is how I feed my family. But um, speaking of feeding family, after being a quarterback in the NFL for 14 seasons, now you're becoming a quarterback guru of sorts. The videos coming out of Tua, yeah, yeah, yeah. The quarterback videos that have been coming out about Tua in that entire training down there in Nashville. What was that experience like? You had a tornado come through. There was a lot of questions about Tua's health. How did you kind of maneuver through all of that to put him in the best position to ultimately end up at five? And if not at five, you would end up at six. Yeah, it was, uh, well, first of all, I did very little. Um, I I put together a pretty cool team um, that really guided to a through a really tough transition coming off really a healing transition right he was still in a healing process coming from alabama and having to transition and, and you know this there's a tough transition from kind of when you're in rehab but you want to get into strength and conditioning mobility stability and improvement yeah yeah um so put together a great team there nutrition we used we used food as a as a healer uh, his body just got rocked out through the process. I think it really helped the healing process. He's shredded then, right now? Two is shredded? He got, he got shredded, yeah. He, I think he came to us around 2.30. Um, and I want to say a combine is around 2.13. Oh. Um, and still, you know, he's got that big lower trunk. He's, he's studded out. So he looked great there. Um, and then just walking him through the tornado. I mean, he was right next to the tornado that night when it hit. Uh, that was traumatizing. There was some frustration of when do I get to throw again? And we finally started getting to do some dynamic work on the field, making sure that we sequenced it right. So it was a um, it, it was a challenging time, and then co- all the COVID dynamics too. So there was a lot of pivoting that went on. And, and the thing I said about Tua that he did better than anything else is he never flinched. And you've been around guys like oh, that, yeah. right? The greatest don't flinch, and regardless of circumstance. He just came to work every day. We talked about Rocky Four and going to the Ukraine, and he just showed up <laughs> to the barn every day and, and lifted rocks. I mean, nobody knew about it. Nobody knew what he was doing. There was no glory to it. Um, so I think the April 9th workout, call it a pro day, 
was unique because a lot of skeptics didn't think he's going to be able to do anything and he's able to show quite a bit how many people were asking for that virtual workout was it, were a lot of teams asking for that because i saw a lot of guys posting videos of themselves working out doing backflips and things of that nature i didn't know if the nfl was actually looking for that or not what was the thought behind releasing some tease videos and then ultimately the virtual workout was that something that the nfl was like yes please do this so we can see them you know, I never asked. I let the agent handle all that. I, I stayed very locked and loaded and on what did Tua want to do and, and what was his progression like. And we leaked the videos early on, the private workout videos before the April 9th, just because I was shocked how, how far he had come. And, and my suggestion was, hey, people are still having this narrative that you're not doing anything, that you're limping around. Let's show them. Let's show them you doing some dynamic stuff, huh. stuff that they would expect, you know, the other quarterbacks in the draft to be doing at the same time, and he was able to do it. So um, when it came to the teams wanting a pro day, I, what teams I had heard from the agent were they wanted to see dynamic movement, they wanted to see pocket um, explosion, and they wanted to somehow create an environment. They knew we were challenged by not having field space where they could see the horsepower in his arm. Um, a lot of false narratives came out pre-draft around deep ball this, deep ball that. Um, so we wanted to create an environment where we can show this kid has as much horsepower as you could ever want. The week before the draft, I there was, what, 12, not 12 months, eight months ago, there was a narrative that a team in the NFL was tanking to get this man. Then the hip injury happens, obviously. And then a week before the draft, all these stories started coming out about how it would be irresponsible to draft Tua and how Tua is <laughs> going to fall out of the top 10. Did the camp know that, that those conversations were happening? And what was being said amongst the people around Tua? That's a great question. And yeah, I mean, you can't help but to not know it. I mean, I try to isolate myself, my the kids that I coach here at Lipscomb Academy from those narratives, but you can't anymore. I mean, everybody's reading it before they go to bed or sitting on the toilet. You hear everything. So, um, yeah, I, I think we were aware of that. And that's why the initial meeting go back to January when I sat, I think there was 11 of us in the room and sat down and said, okay, what is the theme? I'm a big theme guy. I said, the theme of this is Rocky four. The theme of this is going to Ukraine. The thing, the theme of this is isolating ourselves as much as we possibly can from the noise and the theme is positivity we're going to stay positive because there's going to be some dark days to it there's going to be some days that you're regretting coming to nashville and signing up for this let's make sure we're staying positive let's make sure we're you know quiet in the noise and we stack enough of those on top of each other and we'll get to draft day and things will be just fine and and to his credit again pat he he this kid's spectacular. I mean, he dove in with both feet. He never flinched. He never complained. He went through some really tough stuff. And um, it, it was really a, a credit to his his resilience to how the whole thing panned out. Take me through the process of Tua picking you to be his quarterback coach there. Because everybody knows Jordan Palmer was with Joe Burrow and Jordan Love. Is there like a pitch process there where you have to lay out like, hey, the theme will be this, this is this. Is that how it goes? or how does it? No, I've never asked you this. It's, I, thank you for asking that question. Um, I, I made a deal years ago with these guys, Jordan, Quincy Avery, Justin Hoover, um, QB country guys, you know, th this is their business. This is their core business and they do a great job with it. I mean, Jordan and I were on the phone two days ago. Um, one of my best friends, I he's like a little brother to me. Um, and, and there's nobody better than these guys. So I, for years, when I get these calls from elite 11 quarterbacks, their parents, agents, I have 
probably been the biggest advocate to go work with these guys because I really believe what they're doing. And I had told them years ago, I would not do this. I wouldn't jump into this landscape to steal from their core business. Um, Got it. Because naturally the parent, because I'm the head coach of Elite 11, comes to me first. Um, so Tua was a very unique situation. The first call I made was to Jordan Palmer saying, listen, they reached out to me. No agent was involved. Nothing was involved. I have a unique relationship with the family, first of all, dating back to when he was a junior in high school. Um, I earned Tua's trust specifically because I coached him hard. You know, I wasn't one of those guys that blew smoke up his butt back in the day. I, I really helped him transition to get ready to play early at Alabama. Lane Kiffin had given me some things that he wanted him to work on, and I made sure that Tua fixed those things. So I'd earned his trust on how I coached him. Hmm. And I think also Tua was looking for something different. If Tua was healthy, I would not have done this. If Tua had none of the stuff that had happened to him his last year in college, I would have said, hey, you're better going into Jordan. You're better going to Quincy. Um, you're better going to quarterback country. But I felt like I could, where my where my giftedness is, is putting teams together. It's put building ecosystems. So I figured this was going to be way more than quarterback development. This was going to be holistic development, healing, a bigger process. And I have the resources here, too. I have really good resources to be able to provide all those things where some of these guys can't. So I said, yes, I would dive into it because of the uni unique circumstance of it being to a, the relationship with his family and the situ situation I'm here in Nashville with. While you were training him, how many teams were reaching out to you directly asking you how he looks daily? Because I'd assume with the quarantine, you can do a Zoom call and stuff like that. But when you can't see somebody in person, that's a much tougher thing whenever you're trying to uh, judge somebody. Not as much as you would think, Pat. I don't know if they just don't like me, if they don't trust me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you don't deserve that. You, know, you would think it would be, you know, six, seven GMs, coaches a day, you know, looking, asking for videos. Now, it was, it was still a lot. There were still multiple teams to reach out, front offices, head coaches, quarterback guys, OCs. But it was really um, surface-level stuff. I think they were trusting their doctors, number one. I'm not a doctor, so you're not going to ask me about his hip. That'd be stupid. Right. I'm yes. just going to turn turn you to the guy that's the expert in that area. Um, I didn't handle his rehab. I didn't handle his strength and conditioning. That was Luke Richardson, who was with the Houston Texans, who was with the Denver Broncos. When they won a Super Bowl. Probably the most reputable guy in the NFL. So they're calling him on that stuff. Makes sense. Um, so I, my my role really was what kind of kid is he? Um, Ken Wisnut spent and I spent a lot of time with him on the board. So his retention, his football IQ, his football acumen, which is off the charts. Uh, and then once we started the dynamic work, once March 9th came and we were doing dynamic stuff, then there was a lot more interest. How's he moving? You know, what's his capacity like? How's his endurance? Is there a limp? How's his power? And that's where the video, I said, you know, again, don't take my word for it. I am biased. I love this kid like my own son. <laughs> and I said that on the 35-plus interviews I did pre-draft, because there's definitely a bias here. But here's some video. You tell me. I mean, you see guys all the time. Do you tell me, like, this guy's been hurt? Does this guy look like he's going to play a game tomorrow? Does this guy look like he can't threaten every part of the field with his arm? To me, it does. I think he's the finest prospect I've ever been around. Um, but that's I'm not the one drafting him. He's going into a great spot behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, getting a yeah. chance to learn. You know, I think having a veteran quarterback in front of you whenever you're young is a big deal 
Big, big deal. With that being said, Elite Levin's your thing. You work with quarterbacks. You know a lot of quarterbacks. I'm not going to ask you about Tua here or a younger quarterback. I'm going to ask you about an older quarterback. If you're Aaron Rodgers, if you're Aaron Rodgers, okay, and what happens happens, how are you reacting to that whole situation? Well, I think you react to it two different ways. There's an internal reaction, which is pissed, (laughs) um, which is confused, which I think you you would definitely have some distrust. I, th- I think that would be part of it um, as a pro. I mean, you went through contract negotiations, oh, right? You went through the end of career stuff. Oh. I mean, you're you're bombing the ball; it's hanging in there forever. You're you know the best punter in the NFL, and they're trying to get you out of the building yep. at some point. I'm sure. Yeah, um, that's fine. So you've dealt with that. Um, but then I think there's Aaron is too wise. He's too crafty. He's too uh, aware of the political dynamics to ever let that become a public thing. So I think then there's a way you react to it publicly, and I think he's done a great job with it. So but there's no doubt. People can say whatever they want. Internally, he's pissed off. Well, he you, should, you can't help to be. He should be. They're NFC Championship last year. There's some holes on that team. Let's go ahead and use that, not for somebody four years down the road. Doug's got you. Yeah, I had a question. I mean, there's been a lot of great stuff in here, but the one thing that raised a flag for me, there's a lot of us in here trying to lose weight. You said healing food? Uh, yeah yeah what, what the hell is that what, yeah what, what kind of that? food so do we need to be eating I, you're, you're you're more of a husky looking man i am <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah by the way i was 261 13 <laughs> days no 16 days ago as fattest i've ever been um day now, down 13 i'm still husky oh you look uh, good congrats no, it was taking the anti-inflammatory foods out we worked with a great nutritionist she's a three-time world record holder in swimming um nutrition guru and it wasn't like you can't 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 it's like here's the things you should you should emphasize in your nutrition because they actually have powers to heal uh they'll take away some of the anti their (laughs) anti-inflammatories yada 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 so i need to eat more of those now too so i'm a husky as well Uh, we're all active husky at this point what was the is it one of those berries i've heard about this berry from asia that's supposed to be uh it's supposed to be the super. You've been up too. You've been up too late at night watching. <laughs> you got too much time on your hands. Why don't you come coach special teams with Phil? Uh, if you're would, international. You'll have less time on your hands. Hey, I love Phil, man. I absolutely love Phil Dawson. He's they, the best. They, he was kicking off too, like 17 years into that thing. I mean, I don't know how the hell he was doing it. How about with his hip? You know, he has a jet. His last two years. I think he only missed four kicks his last year, and he truly has a hip that comes out constantly. It's a a degenerative hip. I whoop his butt in golf all the time, so he's always whining about his hip. (laughs) He he was bombing 54 yarders and kicking off with a degenerate hip. He's, you know, this is what I appreciate about, you know, and again, Pat, the kicking thing was always a, a stick, but there's football players that kick, and then there's kickers. That makes sense. You're a football player that kicked. Phil's a football. He played right guard in Texas 6A or 5A football back when he played 100 years ago. He was a right guard in a wing T team that was chopping down, you know, to kids going to Oklahoma on the defensive line. So he's a football player. He, he approaches the game that way. He's studying our offense right now. He wants to be a head coach one day. So, um, it, it's I don't know how I got onto this, but he's no. a great, great man and a great coach. Hey, listen, you compliment kickers and punters is a good thing to hear because one time, two times, I heard you not do it. Every time you come on, I'd mute you. I shouldn't have. <laughs> You're very good. This was an incredible conversation. I appreciate the hell out of you, Trent. Well, I appreciate that. I will say this. 
Your Thursday nights, oh. which you guys have done in those games, oh, it's gotten to the point now where I have the – if you see my office, I got two TVs in here, and I'm usually game planning Ooh. for our high school football game. But your guys' sound is on and the NFL is off, and I don't know if Matthew's told me told you how many times I've texted him during your guys' broadcast, but you guys are doing a great job. You've really found the secret sauce of making a Man. sometimes an uninteresting game very interesting. Matt's a good dude. He's said nothing but high praises about you. I didn't believe it until now. I appreciate you so much, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm Pat, I'm not a very good guy. I don't have <laughs> Just because this is a right now, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've had nothing but love uh, for you. Uh, oh, that's Robbie so funny. Gold, actually, Robbie Gold would get more upset. That I play a lot of golf with Robbie. I've known him for a long time. And when I used to do the online shopaholic joke on NFL primetime that yeah, you'd yeah. usually mute, yep. I would get these visceral texts <laughs> from Robbie about how it's disrespecting the brand. And I would say, Robbie, nobody knows your name. <laughs> and still, I do NFL Live, so you should be thanking me any publicity is oh. good publicity. Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, hilarious. Trent Tilford. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by Manscaped. Everybody knows that Manscaped is the greatest company in below-the-belt grooming to ever exist. Ow! Oh, son of a Bitch! Those are screams and sounds I used to make when I would cut myself shaving before I knew about the Manscaped. Thank you, Manscaped, for turning my loud shrieks into multiple peaks. Men, start taking notes. Because Manscaped accidents are finally a thing of the past. No more cuts and nicks with the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0. This is a third-generation trimmer featuring an advanced skin-safe technology so you keep your bad boys nice and smooth. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes. Take your time down there. Huh? Bob Ross said thing. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud. Because this intelligently designed stand is a rapid charging dock powered by USB. So many people have written in stories about how the lawnmower 3.0 has changed their lives. They even included pics so I could see the smoothness for myself. <laughs> they did not. I did not. That did not happen. But you get it. You need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code McAfee at manscaped.com. That's M-C-A-F-E-E at M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. Manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping with the code McAfee. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with code McAfee at manscaped.com. Your partner, your dick, and your balls will thank you. We're going live. Foxy's not in here yet. Foxy's not in here? No. Uh, not Foxy. Yet. Foxy. Here he comes. I see him. He's walking with coffee. We are live. We are live, Foxy. Oh, we no. are live. Hello. Hi. It is Thursday, April 30th, and you're watching McAfee and, and Hawk Sports, Sports Talk. I am Pat McAfee. To my left is the handsome, blue-eyed, defined jawline, AJ Hawk. Yeah. Yeah. What's happening? What's happening, guys? You guys are all right? 
AJ, big day. I mean, Foxy wasn't in here for the show. He was getting hey, his coffee, uh, but he's back. The boys and I are pumped to talk to you about everything happening in the world and the news that we are breaking over here in Indianapolis, Indiana, on a daily basis. What kind of news are you breaking on a daily basis, especially today? Well, we we didn't break it per se. Somebody else broke it from their house and FaceTimed into our show to break it from our house. Uh, Jadavion Clowney could be a Jet, a Titan, or even potentially a Bran. Uh, the Rams might be broke, and Jameis Winston got no other offers uh, other than the New Orleans Saints. That's what we were, le- were told this morning, and I'm intrigued by it. These are all interesting news things that aren't being talked about. I want to start with the Jameis thing. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess that's breaking news that he – who reported that he didn't get any other offers? Well, I think it's just most people. <laughs> Wasn't it the guy you had on your show this morning? Well, he didn't really say that. Nobody has come out openly other than Mark Madden, who is uh, – <laughs> Mark Madden is just a uh, legendary radio Pittsburgh uh, personality. He said that there's no way. The Steelers have come out and said, we did not negotiate any contract with any veteran, but no other team has come out and said that they had interest in Jameis Winston. And Jameis Winston has not come out and said that any other team has had interest in him, other than that multiple teams, he had more lucrative offers, decided to go to the Saints. So I think his team was trying to spin the narrative that another team wanted to sign him. But ultimately, he ends up in the right spot. So, I mean, him at the New Orleans Saints with Drew. Oh, yeah, Drew Brees is retiring after this year. That was more news that was broke this morning by Charles Robinson of Yahoo. This is his last year. The people around him are saying it. All the deals that are structured, Taysom Hill's deal is basically a one-year deal. Uh, Jameis Winston's deal is a one-year deal. Everything right now is who's going to be the next person after drew Brees allegedly so there's a lot of news coming out down there so i guess for Jameis, that being a good situation on top of learning from that quarterback room which i know what did he say it's like getting a a harvard degree in quarterback play in the football yeah harvard degree in the football as opposed to having to google it quite a shot at bruce arians clyde christensen byron leftwich tom moore and the boys over in tampa bay but I do think if you get a chance to watch film of Drew Brees, you're probably going to become a better player. I'd assume that helps. Yeah, you are. I guess so. I guess Jameis is hoping that he does enough in practice and shows these coaches and that team that he deserves to get another contract once Drew does retire. Yeah, and then that's the big question going forward. Uh, they have maintained the fact that Taysom Hill is their quarterback of the future. He's only thrown a ball seven times to. Uh, New Orleans Saints players. Jameis Winston already leads him. Jameis Winston has thrown the ball to New Orleans Saints players 10 times in his career. So he has more (laughs) completions, not only for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and in his NFL career, but he also has more completions to the team that he's joining than the other backup quarterback that's on the team. So I think this is a, hey, take $1.1 million here. If you can figure out this offense and fit in, you're probably going to have a good shot at being the starter. But everybody says that Sean Payton and the Saints are 100% sold on Taysom Hill. So I have no idea how it works out. From your position, though, outside of the Bayou, outside of the Crescent City, if you were looking at this, and Jameis Winston, who just got LASIK surgery and can finally see license plates so he can tell insurance companies for hit and runs down in Florida, he just got his eyes fixed. Would you rather have Jameis Winston going forward or Taysom Hill, a person that Sean Payton has described as their Steve Young? I don't know. I haven't seen enough of Taysom yet. I haven't seen Taysom play. Like a, I want to see Taysom just start at quarterback and play a full game at the quarterback position. He's an absolutely like dynamic guy that there's not many players in the NFL. I mean, 
Can you name any guy, any other guys like him that can do as much as he does on the offensive side and special teams? Oh, wait till you see what Jalen Hurts does next year for mm, the Philadelphia oh, Eagles. Yeah. Doug Peterson told uh, uh, Italian guy, ESPN. Uh, Sal Palantonio. Sal Palantonio in a text message. Doug Peterson, core, or head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, former quarterback with the Green Bay Packers and such, won a Super Bowl with uh, Nick Foles at the helm. He texted Sal Palantonio <laughs> that what they loved about Jalen Hurts was he had a unique skill set or something of that nature, and he can run the ball well, and he can do this. And Sal Palantonio basically came out and said that it sounds like they are going to expect Jalen Hurts to be on the field a lot alongside Carson Palmer, kind of like in a hopeful Taysom Hill-like role is what it sounded like. I'm not 100% sure, but that is what it sounded like. Is that a position that they're going to try to continue to build on around the league because you've seen the success that Taysom Hill has had on? And on the defensive side of the ball, we had Brandon Flowers on. He said when Taysom Hill comes on the field, you have no idea if he's a running back, tight end, if he's a slot receiver or an outside receiver, so you don't always know the formation or, or what defense to call. Is that a real weapon? And do you think there will be plenty of people that can do what Taysom Hill does? I'm thinking not, but maybe just Jalen Hurts can. No, there's very few people that can do what Taysom Hill can do. I don't know if Jalen Hurts is is the same kind of player. Jalen Hurts is definitely a dynamic quarterback that can do it. He can. He's true runner and passer, super athletic. But I don't know if he's going to be lined up at slot receiver and catching touchdown passes like Taysom Hill is he and finishing runs, running through people. I have no idea. I I, I have no clue. I have no idea. I, I don't. I guess Doug Peterson has a reason, and he called Carson Palmer by – or not Carson Palmer. Wentz. Carson Wentz. He might have called Carson Palmer. I don't know the relationship. <laughs> but Carson Wentz was called the day before the draft, right, before they drafted Jalen Hurts. He was called by the Eagles. I would assume what Doug Peterson said to him was like, hey, you've seen the success that Baltimore had with Lamar Jackson. We've seen the success that Taysom Hill has had down there. We are going to try to get a guy that's a little bit more athletic. I want to let you know, though, this is not taking your job from you. This is just because this is what we're thinking. By the way, which I think if that was done to Aaron Rodgers would have probably been a little bit more well-received. I'm not 100% sure if it did happen, but if it did, then that would have had to have been whenever he was on our show. So that probably didn't happen. But I think that is probably the thought or the thinking. And I'm, I'm pumped to see if it works for Jalen Hurts because Tim Tebow, they wanted to do that with Tim Tebow, right? He was playing PP for their punt team. They ran a fake against our Colts. But on film, he wasn't really blocking anybody. They were just hoping that nobody would rush because Tim Tebow could run a fake. And by the way, we didn't rush. And they still completed a seam on fourth down on the punt from Tim Tebow. Tebow mania obviously took off. Fireman Ed was celebrating. It was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> but I, I think they tried to do it with Tebow. Didn't work out. Taysom Hill has come in and kind of debunked a lot of theories. Julian Edelman, quarterback, now being a great wide receiver. You go back to Antoine Randall, who was a quarterback that made a good wide receiver. I think there is a couple of people that can make it happen. Is Jalen Hurts going to be the next one? We'll see. Yeah, he might be. I mean, Antoine Randall, he – he was a guy that could do it all. I mean, he started at quarterback in Indiana in college. He was an absolute stud. He threw a touchdown pass to Heinz Ward in the Super Bowl, didn't he? Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. and, and then they skipped and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Oh, they yeah, did. Did. oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Randall did. Well down. Do you think Jameis had any other offers? I don't. I think it was Jameis Winston's people, just like whenever Gronk retired. The narrative was, and, and by the way, He's had a great retirement. He's been on Fox. He's been on Mass Singer. He was host of WrestleMania. Whenever he retired, the framing of the retirement from his agent was Gronk is thinking about stepping away the from the field to pursue a lucrative acting career. Okay? A lucrative acting career. So 
Yeah, that was an interesting line for me because I'm like, oh, he's already got acting jobs lined up. That was them trying to paint the narrative like this is probably what he wants to get into. If anybody would like to make an offer, here we go. I think that same thing was happening with Jameis where they're like, they, they want to paint the narrative like, hey, there was interest in Jameis. We just want to let you know we took this one because it was smarter, which is a smart play by them. But then you would expect as a radio show host that has to talk about NFL moves and stuff like that, I wanted to hear what other team it was so I could tell, oh, this team is probably going to be interested in Cam Newton then as well, or maybe Andy Dalton, but those those teams never came out, so I feel like I'm kind of getting fucked in this whole thing. Well, those teams are never going to come out publicly on their own. It could get leaked out. It's almost, I mean, you got to build demand, and I understand that if you're Jameis's agent and everyone, you want to make it seem like Smart. there's they're fielding offers from everybody, and we're going to go to the highest bidder most likely. I mean, I'm sure there was other teams that sniffed around and, and possibly were exploring the option of signing Jameis Winston, but it probably wasn't for much more money than he signed for in New Orleans. For $1 million. I hope they were all sniffing around. It's a great. I think it's a great signing by the Saints. I, oh, I mean, yeah. you don't have to invest much money at all in a backup <laughs> quarterback that could potentially become your next franchise quarterback. Go ahead. Snoop around. <laughs> <laughs> I I, uh, I spilled water out of my mouth while you were talking there. It dripped off my beard down my chest, and it's currently sitting on my shorts that are uh, khaki, so it looks like I peed a little bit. I think you, you stand up. Let me see. Nah. <laughs> Why not? I don't know how people wear these three quarters. By the way, this is my first time wearing it. It's been scratching up my neck. I think a lot of clean shaved people wear the three yeah. quarter, huh? It's yeah, it's a golfer. Exactly. It's a golfer look. It so a lot pulling. of clean shaved golfies. Yeah, there you Zipped go. Zipped all the way up is a little tough. Too. Yeah, that's how you're supposed to wear it. Like this, right here. Yeah, yeah. that's a good. Mm -hmm. That is a good look, yeah, my friend. I don't have the under though. Show off the taco. Man. Oh, you're going no undie shirt with a three quart. I never that's wear. I, I never wear the undershirt. And I'm never an undershirt wearer. Same. Even with a hoodie. No, ho hoodie's going well, straight on. You're, you're an anomaly. What if you get you're hot? An exception. I do get hot. <laughs> that's why I don't wear the undershirt. <laughs> but if you get hot, is, you, is, is you that a fleece space? What's that? Is that fleece? On the inside? I mean, is it really warm on it's the hoodies. inside of it? It's oh, hoodie. It's hoodie okay. inside. Okay. I got this when I went to Japan, by the way. Go see our military. Hmm. No big deal. Nice little no number. No big deal. No big deal. Does this look like just a turtleneck now? It doesn't even look like a mock because the, the zipper... It does look weird on you to see you first off wearing sleeves. You're like Rick Vaughn back in the day at Major League. Thank you. Second but Rick Vaughn. Especially this three-quarter zip. That's usually what like the older generation will wear. It is. Rick Vaughn's getting a lot of play today. Yeah, Rick, Rick Vaughn has gotten a lot of play on this particular YouTube channel. He got a that shout out it. earlier today. You know, I'm at the bottom of the uh, the barrel when it comes to clothes to wear, and I saw this thing deep, deep pocket of the of the closet. I seen it way back there. Let me see that. And I had blue jorts on, by the way, when I found the shirt. I was like, well, fuck it, gotta go to khaki jorts instead here. So now I'm trying to do my uh, uppity uppity move here. I'm trying to look professional on this beautiful April 30th. Speaking of professional, the Rams aren't paying clay matthews anything why is clay matthews after publicly going after the rams for not getting his money why does he have to sue a team in the nfl that is allegedly worth billions and billions of dollars to get his two million in unpaid guarantees back from them this is not a good look for the nfl that their players are now having to sue them for money that was guaranteed to them this is a wild scenario wild scene and why do you think this is happening charles robinson of yahoo sports made a joke but then he kind of followed up on it maybe 
The Rams are going broke. Maybe the Rams, they're building a new stadium that's going to be $6, 7000000000 billion. They didn't send their scouts to the combine to save some money. They started doing all these other things to kind of cut cash. They started unloading contracts. They started doing all this stuff. Are the Rams broke? And why does Clay Matthews have to sue for his monies? Pay that man his, his money. money. Rounders, love it. But uh, <laughs> my question is, I thought they would when Clay publicly – tweeted at him when he and Gurley went at the, the Rams. I thought that was enough to to spurn some action from the Rams. Like, all right, we get it. We may not owe you this for a couple more weeks. We're going to pay it right now make it happen. But then Les Snead, the Rams GM, has come out and said, yes, he is owed. These, they're owed money. They will get paid their money. It's a guarantee. But there's some contract language, I guess, that we're working through. I guess they disagree on whenever the league year starts. So you're going to pay him. Just do it now then. If, if you have the money. If you have the money, if you don't, doesn't their owner own like nine pro sports yes. teams? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but you and I both know that he is the umbrella over top of that. They are each their own individual businesses operating off of their own income and investments and things of that nature. If you're the Rams and you thought it was originally going to be a one point seven billion dollar stadium, then it was a two point seven billion dollar stadium, and now it's a six or seven billion dollar stadium. That's quite a amount of cash just to come out of nowhere on you, and then uh, you're just sitting there like, well, damn, we got to get rid of Gurley. We made him the highest paid running back what a year ago. We got to get rid of Clay Matthews. Get him the fuck out of here. Know, well, we owe them money. We'll deal with that later as long as we don't hit the bankruptcy thing. They might not get the money. I'm not saying they would do that. I mean, that was a wild Has state. a team filed for bankruptcy? Has there been an NFL team that's filed? No, I don't think so. Lakers asked for a loan. So, well, the Lakers. <laughs> they they also, gave it back. <laughs> also, right now is not a great time to own nine teams. Yeah, I was going to say all of those individual businesses are doing terrible. Pistol. Good point. Hawk, great point. One skull crushed a Honda Civic. July of 82, stored up at macroshow.com. Wow. <laughs> you guys are pumping Pistol up so hard. He just feels – I can't imagine what he's like when he's able to go hang out with his friends again whenever this whole thing lifts. Check the history books. It happened, okay? I looked it up in the newspaper. You think Pistol – you think he – um. You think he zooms with his friends, try to get them to figure it out so he can brag about how much he's getting talked about his awesome savagery on this show every day? Yeah, probably. Pistol texted me and my, my two older brothers a picture of his home setup for a Zoom. Like He's on a board somewhere. Some company's like, got a big three-hour board meeting coming up, and he took a picture of his basement office with his little mic set up and his screen. Oh, that's how can we be a fly on the wall in those? Is he presenting in these things? No, nobody wants any part of that. I'm sure he's pissing in <laughs> bottles the whole time. Pistol hawk? I'd is, like a part of that. Is he the one that taught you to piss in a bottle technique for those things? Mm. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I'm not saying I do that. I'm saying if he's sitting for a three-hour conference call that he can't, take a, a five minute break yeah AJ, he might be doing that is this pistol one of the old heads who instead on the golf course instead of unbutting unbuttoning their their pants and peeing they just pull up their short leg <laughs> and pee out the bottom of the for shorts sure. that's a very old head move for sure he takes a knee on the course yeah i'm sure <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, I'm guessing i've seen him do that and i didn't even flinch <laughs> It's a legendary move. I used to take i used to take a knee on soccer fields back in the day nice catch me trying to pick up a ball I'll get it. I got it. <laughs> Kick it a little bit further. Take a knee. Get it out there. Hope you don't have any dribble. Keep it moving. It sucks. It's terrible trying to take a leak when you're on a knee on a golf course. Like, it is not fun. Yeah, there's a lot of different moves. It's difficult, though, when you're way out there. Some places have trees, but not enough to give you real protection. Some I mean, places have way too many houses on the course. Yeah, what are we doing? Get them the fuck out of here. <laughs> 
Have you ever peed in somebody's house that's on a golf course before? Like knocked on the door and gone in? No, no, got invited in. No. <laughs> I have. They'd be like, hey, man, we got some mulch right there. You can go right there. No, no, I, I went in somebody's house. I was like, that's a beautiful home. And they were like, oh, thanks, or whatever. It was this, two, uh, this older couple. I was like, how long have you guys lived here? They're like, oh, five years. It's our dream to be here, or whatever. I'm like, oh, nice. And obviously, my ball was near their yard or whatever. I'm like, I'm sure this happens all the time. And they're like, yeah, it's okay. We actually like watching people golf or whatever. I was like, you guys have a bathroom? And I just like kind of just worked, <laughs> it, worked it into the conversation. They're like, yeah. And I was like, all right. And I just started walking towards them. And the guy was just like, here you go. And just walked me right into left, beat in there, came back out, hit the ball. I think I was with AQ. AQ was like, you fucking pee behind trees on a golf course. You don't go into people's houses to pee when you're on a golf course. I was like, just had to do it one time. Nice house, by the way. We should think about buying a house on this course. Well, the, the, the fact that you you asked the the nice old couple if they had a bathroom in what was probably a 6,500 square foot house on a golf course. Like, oh man, we knew we forgot something. <laughs> I would have said no. Like if I was if that was my if, my if I was standing out in my yard and I lived on a golf course. And a young Pat McAfee said, "Hey, you got a bathroom here?" Like, no, man, sorry, we don't. Yeah, I have a Just lot of out here. I have a lot of interactions with people that have houses on the golf course. This one time, I hit a shot out of bounds. Okay, came down to the, it was like uh, it was one of the final holes, pretty big deal here, and uh, I hit a ball out of bounds. It was in their yard or whatever. It was past the red sticks. So I go down, I drive down, and the la- I go, did you see a ball? And the lady picks up the ball and throws it, <laughs> throws it back in bounds. Free oh. drop. So That's I'm, awesome. Also against AQ. It was against AQ. <laughs> the lady picks up the ball, throws it back in bounds, and I go, well, wait a minute now. I did not touch. Thank you so much, lady. I appreciate that. She doesn't even say goodbye. She just walks in the house, doesn't even know the firestorm she started there because I am not taking a penalty. That ball, I will play it as it lies. I, I that is in bounds. Mm-hmm. AQ goes, come the fuck on. <laughs> I was like, no, it was in bounds. I, he said, we just saw the lady throw it. I was like, what if it would have hit a rock and bounced back in? Are you saying that the the rock matters more than that lady does? Wow, that's rude. And then he was like, "Just hit the fucking ball." So I, I'm I have a good reaction and interaction with the people that live on the golf course. Did you ever think about moving to a golf course ever? No, we actually rented a house in Green Bay on a golf course for a couple years. Nice, not nice. It was nice because I was like back behind a green, like off to the side, like diagonal from a green. So we didn't really get many balls at all in our yard i can't imagine those those houses that are like 150 to 300 yards off the tee box right to the left or right you got to be getting blasted all day long yeah they say it's like a dream house or whatever it'll be fun they say yeah go, <laughs> let, let your kids go play outside and throw the football and get donged in the side of the temple with the golf ball toughing them up go stand in the middle of fairway ain't nobody gonna hit you there <laughs> classic Good joke. joke classic <laughs> um i heard last night on Shaq's uh, reality show, which he was hosting a watch along during it. Hmm. So it would like during commercial breaks, it would cut to Shaq on his couch, massive couch. And then he was joined by Mike Tyson whenever I caught it in Shaq. It was I think it was a fed conversation that was said like, hey, you should talk about this. He goes, Mike, you look like you're in really good shape. And he goes, uh, I'm not doing an impression ever because of what I'm about to say. He said he's training to get in shape, back in shape to do a couple exhibitions. If Mike Tyson gets back in the ring, how much am I willing to pay to watch it? Probably $700. <laughs> if they just line up, Ty and I were talking about this before. If they just lined up a 
bunch of general stooges just in line at the end of the tunnel, walk out, okay, it's like Gladiator, Tyson sitting, I mean, look at (laughs) that. That's like a year ago or something like that when he was teaching somebody in a winery how to box. But if they just line up these stooges from back in the day, ding, they come run at them, (laughs) refrigerator, fucking dead. All right, (laughs) next one out. Come down, ding, refrigerator fucking dead. And what if he knocks out 10 guys in one oh. night? I would absolutely oh. love that. I, I'm pumped that Mike Tyson's coming back. I, this is this is really good news. And thank God that Shaq brought that out of him because this is the news the world needs to hear. I mean, I hope he comes back. I, I've seen that video that you just showed of him kind of shadow boxing. Like, he looks great when he's doing that. Like, okay, you still got it, Mike. But I, I wonder, did you guys have tough man contests when you were in Pittsburgh growing up? Oh, yeah, buddy. Where just anybody, like, you just signed up and dudes would go in there with boxing gloves and fight. It was awesome. I went to multiple of those events. I'm not sure that Pittsburgh had them, but on my recruiting uh, trip to West Virginia, a guy that used to be on the team, an old offensive lineman or something, was fighting in a tough man that weekend I was there. So I went on a 35-minute car ride into the sticks or 40-minute car ride into the sticks to a tough man contest. We drank probably a half a case of beer on the way to the tough man contest. We get there. I have never loved something as much as I love that. I mean, I was in the middle of the sticks in West Virginia. It was my recruiting visit. I'm just having a blast. We had like four or five places set up after that to go. So this was just the beginning of the night. I was just looking around. That offensive lineman guy got in there and just knocked this fucking guy who should not be in a fight with an old offensive lineman out. And I think in a second and a half, like I think he, he literally like walked out, put his face on a, on a fucking uh, like a, a stage for the guy and he was just doom, <laughs> dead, done, place goes crazy, beers get chugged and then two more walk out and that's where Butterbean was found. I think Butterbean was found in the Tough Man contest and stuff like that. Those things used to be electric. Now Rough and Rowdy obviously is awesome. I mean those are a lot of fun whenever you get somebody going but if Mike Tyson's just knocking people out, I'm here for it. The question is, who is he going to box? Like, who does he fight? He Zito. had some weird fights towards the end of his career that he just looked out of it. Like, he didn't really want to be there, and he would say he would have all kind of weird comments afterwards. So maybe if he's focused and he's ready. Like, how old is he, 51? I, I think this is going to be the first time, what, he has like a clear mind probably. 53. I'm a little bit worried that he's not going to have that same – because he gave in that hot box show he does, he said that he's always fighting that inner, like, killer that's there, and he, like, started getting, like, choked up or whatever. It's like, will he be able to flip the killer back on and then just flip it off? Because whenever he was going into the fights, it looked like he was hoping to kill the person. And that's why it was so awesome to watch. Connor, if this happens <laughs> for charity. For, for charity. For charity. Yes. Would we be able to put your name on a list of potential fighters of Mike Tyson? If I got knocked out by Mike Tyson, I think that is something that not many people get to experience. So, yes, you can put my name on that list. I think there will be a lot of people that would be like, yeah, we don't even have to box, by the way. I'll just stand here. You want to just punch me in the face for charity? I'll, I'll take it. I mean, there's there's quite a few people that have been knocked out by Mike Tyson. I mean, I guess not compared to, like, the, the general population of the world, but he knocked out a good chunk of the, the people he actually fought. But people, I think it'd be good, Pat. I'm 36. I know anyone younger than me probably doesn't remember what it was like when there was a Mike Tyson pay-per-view coming up. Like, it was the best. Like, it was absolute appointment TV where you wanted to make sure you were there because it was most likely going to end in 30 to 45 seconds and – you got your. You talked your parents into paying sixty five bucks for the pay per view or whatever it was. Maybe we need a little bit of that magic back for some of these youngsters. He and Floyd Mayweather, two very different fighters. 
Two very, very different fighters, but both must see. Floyd Mayweather is such a tactical just magician. I mean, he never gets hit. He has more stamina than you do. He's never been beat. And he can, he can deliver a knockout if he has to every once in a while. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. Floyd Mayweather, uh, obviously undefeated still, but Tyson, I feel like it was just such a different thing. It's like, this is real-life gladiator. Like, somebody signing up to, get, to try to die. 44 knockouts out of 50 fights. 44 knockouts. Buster Douglas, though. Mm. Buster Douglas. Well, and he was a heavyweight, too. So yes. it's just like, yeah. you know, a lot of these guys now are really good, but they're these lightweights. Like, when you see a big guy knock someone the fuck out, like it's... Tyson Fury, by the way. That's why I like Tyson Fury mm -hmm. so much. I've gotten into him so much. Um, yeah, Tyson Fury, he's, he's not like a knockout artist by any means, but he can knock you out. But he still is just everything about him. Like it's he's such a personality, such a character, and he's super like vulnerable too. He talks about his mental illness struggles. How he what didn't he try to drive his car off a cliff or something? Like yeah. he's got all kind of things, and I think people relate to that. They enjoy it. I forget the exact quote. I was driving me Beamer or something, but my bins 130 kilos mm -hmm. or something like that. Kilos. Kilometer. What is it? Yeah, kilometers. Kilos. Yeah. You got it. Drugs. No, I don't know if he was moving like that. Yeah. <laughs> Kilometers, I'm guessing. Um, friend of ours, friend of the show, Andy Dalton, officially released by the Cincinnati Bengals today. We all knew it was probably coming after they drafted Joe Burrow. The move saves the Cincinnati Bengals $17.7 million. There was no way they were going to pay a backup quarterback that, even if he was a mentor and had won games. I think Andy Dalton's going to be a guy that people are going to want on their team. Now, I don't know if he's going to take a $1.1 million deal like Jameis took, but if you want to pay a guy to be a backup quarterback who can play winning football and really buy in, I think Andy Dalton's a guy. He's been relatively quiet throughout this entire Cincinnati Bengals stint. There's been a lot of crazy shit that has happened around him, and he's kind of kept his mouth shut. I think people are going to want Andy Dalton on their squad. I know the Steelers do, and by the Steelers, I mean Anthony DeGilio sitting right here. He does. I would assume people want him down in Jacksonville because he and Jay Gruden had a great relationship. You got Patriots fans in the back saying, oh, come on up, Ginger Tarzan. Come win some Super Bowls with old Bill Belichick. Are the Dallas Cowboys interested because Dak Prescott hasn't signed his thing yet? I think people we're going to want the red rocket i believe you probably feel the same exact way about our guy andy i absolutely feel the same way and i think he he's going to get the opportunity to go start somewhere i don't think he's going to be signed strictly as a backup like if the patriots sign him which it still seems like an absolute no-brainer maybe they were waiting for this just for to the Bengals to make it official and cut him and i think he's going to get more money than Jameis. he may get a two-year deal or something i have no idea really where what he thinks he wants and, and what teams, I guess, value him at. But why not bring him in there with Hoyer and Stidham and say, hey, we got a three, we got a three way QB competition here whenever we get back to camp. And Andy could easily win that job and you're not going to have to pay him a ton of money. Jaguars make the most sense in my eyes. Why? Because they made no moves for anybody. They actually shipped their guy out of town in Nick Foles. Jay Gruden becomes their offense coordinator. They're like, okay, we'll roll with Minshew Mania. They probably had a feeling that Andy Dalton was going to be released. He and Jay Gruden have a great relationship. I feel like him going to the Jaguars is almost inevitable. And the issue is going to be they're going to have to pay him a little bit of money. They're going to have to pay him. Gardner Minshew is making seven hundred grand next year. If you're going to have Gardner Minshew be the starter and you're going to bring in a vet and pay him more, that's an interesting message to the locker room. I think that becomes Andy Dalton's team as soon as he gets signed down there. But will they sign Andy Dalton? Everybody thought they were going to potentially sign uh, Cam Newton. They were not interested. Neither were the Patriots. I mean, does Andy Dalton go to Jacksonville? That would make a lot of sense in my eyes, and so would Patriots. I think, I think Andy Dalton is going to be able to be in a good spot. But does the Red Rocket want to go to Jacksonville? 
I, sure, if, if Jacksonville is his only offer, the only team that shows him any interest, which I don't think is going to be the case, like if he has other options, do you think he chooses Jacksonville over a Pittsburgh, over the Patriots? I don't think he chooses Jacksonville over the Patriots because he has a chance to go in there and be the starter pretty much day one. Yeah. Andy Dalton, by the way, I like that he put that video of him throwing the ball in the backyard just so everybody can be like, hey, let's remember that Ginger Tarzan can still sling it a little bit. Now, my yard might not be as big as you would have expected or thought, but look at these red rockets that are going right into the tiny little hole there. Yeah, he's, he's, he's showing he's like a Rust Belt guy, even though he's from Texas. He lived in Cincinnati, what, nine years now? So he's saying, yeah, look at me. This is me. My hair is, I don't even have any gel in my hair. I got nothing going on. I'm just firing rockets super accurate in my backyard now quarantine unfortunately has made people remember andy dalton before the good haircut you know andy dalton before the good haircut was average andy and then he got that haircut and everybody was like whoa yeah. look at this son of a bitch just like gordon hayward making a big come up <laughs> with a good haircut on that guy yeah i don't know what about cam newton though where's he going like what where okay where does he go and when does it actually happen I have no idea. Uh, Charles Robinson, the Yahoo Sports insider reporter for 16 years, he says that the fact that teams can't get a hold of his foot, that Liz Frank that he got, Mrs. Uh, Liz Frank that he got, people can't give him a full physical, plus you're bringing in a big personality who's 18 months removed from MVP-like football. It doesn't make much sense to me why Cam Newton hasn't been brought in anywhere, but it feels like from – all the things that are being said, there isn't a lot of places where he could eventually end up. I always thought the Steelers, but then Charles Robinson said this morning, he was like, I don't, he doesn't think Ben Roethlisberger or the Steelers would want him in the quarterback room to potentially affect the relationship that the Steelers have with Ben Roethlisberger right now, especially with Ben coming back and the last juices of the orange potentially being juiced. And Cam doesn't want, do you, like Ben could easily play another two years, don't you think? Like, does Cam want to go oh, yeah. sit for two years? But Ben also gets hurt, right? Ben will also get hurt. I mean, that's he just plays some... through it though a lot. Yeah, but there's always a game or two where that boot is just not good enough, and he's got to come out of the game. I mean, Ben plays in a fashion where he's trying to get hurt. That's why he's so damn good, to be honest with you, because he extends plays longer than he should. But that's a place where you could learn potentially play. I just don't know where Cam Newton could go. And I'm not happy about it because I think Cam Newton is back in the shape mentally and physically where he could be a fucking force. I mean, his physical shape has never faltered. Like, that it, it doesn't really matter as far as his quarterback play. Cam's always going to be jacked. Look at him. Is he healthy? That's the question. If he had Liz, Liz Frank surgery, that's a big-time surgery. That's a big deal. I'm sure that's a big reason why he's not signed with another team right now because they want to get their hands on him. They want to see him. They don't want to have to Zoom about it and, hey, send us all your – your scans and everything. Oh, I'm feeling great, coach. Good to go. Give me $12 million a year. <laughs> Maybe fifteen. Uh, speaking of 15, 12, 15 million, good transfer here. Uh, Charles Robinson told us this morning that the Jets, Titans, and Browns, potential suitors for Jadavion Clowney's services, he thinks the number has to get to about $15 million a year for the Jets and Titans to be involved. Uh, the number 90 uh, for the Seattle Seahawks, uh, has been taken away from Jadavion Clowney. So all signs are pointing to him not returning to up there. There's a, un, there's a free agent that's just out there currently that could be signed, could be, wasn't injured, is a guy, could be signed, just hasn't been signed yet. I wonder what's going to happen with old Clowney. I'm sure he could be. He, if he really wanted to be signed by now, he would have. He would just have to take less money than he's asking for. That, that's all that's going on right now. Jadavion can play. But, yeah, what's that number going to look like? And I guess what does the contract look like? How many years? How much guaranteed money does he get? I don't know. It's weird with all these. Obviously, the, the current situation with COVID is 
is causing a lot of this, I guess, just all these delays because they don't know when they're going to be back in facilities. So especially if guys do have some injury concerns, teams are going to be, I guess, a bit hesitant to throw big money at people. How you feel about Jadavion Clowney being uh, bigger, taller, faster, and uh, more athletic than both of us combined? Uh, yeah, he is absolute freak. I mean, like you've we've talked about on the show, that play he made in college where he annihilated – the dude in Michigan in the backfield, and the, the most impressive play was how quickly he snatched the ball up with one hand and how that ball, that football looked like an infant's play football in his hand. Like, he's that big. Athlete, too. Rob Ninkovich said if he tried on every single play, he'd probably, mm-hmm. he'd probably be the top guy in the league. I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to go over the tape and watch, watch the All-22 of Jadavian to see what his effort level looks like throughout the game. Well, did you ever have a play or two where you didn't give 100% effort, A.J. Hawk? No. Yeah, I'm sure I did. Really? What? Wow. No. I, I think at the time, AJ. AJ, at the time no. you don't know it. At the time you think you're giving 100%. Hey, but then you hey. watch the film and you're like, oh, uh-oh. Hopefully coach doesn't see that one. Doesn't see that. My change of speed loaf. Like there's a, you get graded, you get loafs on your grades. And there's a change of speed loaf, meaning like, Okay, I'm chasing the guy. Hope it looks like he's going to get tackled on the sideline. Oh no, he broke the tackle from the corner and he takes off up the sideline. And you have to change. You have to get back on your horse, as they say, and you juice it back up. And they're like, "Hey, yeah, that's a loaf. Like that's a negative. Even if you you chase him down, you punch the ball out from behind, you cause a fumble. It'll be cause fumble plus minus for the loaf." Jeez, AJ. Stop loafing around. By the way, I'm not saying I got zero loafs in my entire career. (laughs) Zero loafs. Zero. Zero. You definitely had plenty of balls you were supposed to kick out of bounds that you didn't. Well, those are MAs, Mr. Sun. <laughs> hey, what were they doing uh, back – what year would that have been? The 2010 season when they punted and Coughlin lost his mind. Oh, yeah. Against Giants-Eagles. Desha- Deshaun Jackson sitting oh, yeah. back there. Desha- that got us – I think that got us in the playoffs in Green Bay. Hey, set can, us up. Congratulations, you guys. Matt Dodge, formerly of East Carolina, was the punter for the Giants. And it all sounds so easy, just punting out of bounds. It's not as easy as everybody thinks it is. Uh, he, did, he, he did not do that, and he did not hit his best ball. And Deshaun Jackson, before that punt, by the way, he was acting as if he was going to return it oh, to the yeah. house. He, yep. he's, it looked as if he knew what was going to happen. And then lo and behold, you know, you get a little bit of a, not a great ball, and then uh, you get one of the most electrifying athletes on earth. Hey, didn't he bobble it a little bit? Yeah, like, didn't it hit yeah. the ground and he picked yeah. it up? Like, yeah. okay, so you, as a punter, doesn't that didn't don't you think that bobble may have thrown those guys off enough to mess up all their their rush lanes how they're getting down the field? Yeah, because just like you spoke of for the change the speed stuff, like whenever um, when a kickoff is bobbled, for instance, when a kickoff is bobbled, everybody either slows down or they speed up, and if they do any of that, they're probably running right into a block a lot easier than the pace that they were currently going at. So any bobble can normally affect. Uh, the coverage team because they either let up, they think it's over, they let up, or they try to go harder to get the ball. And if they're doing that, then it's easier to block because you just push them out to the side. So normally when timing is kind of fucked up a little bit is when the returner can take advantage of it. But it can also backfire completely. You bobble that and the gunner gets on it. I mean, that's a nightmare. So that's why you don't see people fake bobbling balls. But 
it does feel as if on a more likely than not occasion, if somebody bobbles it and then they regather it, the coverage team, for whatever reason, got distracted and the lanes open or something of that nature. And that happened for Deshaun. What do you do? He ran all the way across and they ran backwards in. Yep. Uh-huh. What a moment for him. That had to feel so good. Think about whenever he was jogging across the end zone as the clock was expiring. Like, I cannot believe this <laughs> happened. Oh, there's Dodge down on his face, too. I mean, he went out full. Look, he Coughlin went full. lost his mind oh, after oh, this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's oh, yeah. a tough way to... Not a good spot to be, by the way. Riley Cooper there blocking for him, huh? Oh, oh, Riley. Riley Cooper, whatever happened... What? Ah, <laughs> he went to a concert. We know. Yeah, he oh. went to a concert. But when would... when He still played in the league after that. Like, when was his last year in the league? Yeah, I'm not, you know what? I'm not 100% sure. I think he got a contract after that, too. He did, yeah. yeah. People stopped keeping tabs on him, though. Yep. His last year was 2015. I don't know when the incident happened. Oh, what are you was, talking about? What do you mean? 2013. You're talking about that punt return? That punt return was 2010 right there. Oh, 2010. Is that what, is that what you're referring to? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, the other thing, I think. What are you talking about? It? Whoa, Kyle uh, Larson. No, no, no. Oh. When he did uh, whatever he was doing in Florida with that team. Oh, oh you're games. talking about down there with uh, – who are you talking about down that, there? That whole team. Yeah, but who was that one person on that team? Tim Tebow? No, no, that other one. Uh, Aaron Hernandez. Hernandez. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> oh no, up, Pat! You see the the NBA is talking about possibly having like a biodome type season at Disney World. Yeah, and we talked about that earlier. I'm a big fan of this move. Who's it's not going to work? <laughs> <laughs> First off, if the players do agree to that, what are the you got to have every player, every support staff person in like the hotels, apartments, wherever they're living, and say it's in Disney World. They have all these hotel rooms. They're not. They can't leave. The, like they're on lockdown for however long the season is. They can't go see anybody on the outside. Pat, you know better than anyone. Professional athletes are always working angles, mainly to try to see females. You tell me, not one guy's going to sneak out. If one guy sneaks out, picks up COVID, the whole league is shut down again. I didn't even think about the thought of some desperate ass there late night by somebody. You're 100 percent right. The whole league too, everybody. You're telling me every it's gonna be martial law to keep everybody in their their hotel. In California and Florida too. Oh man. Yep. I my questions that's a great point by the way, what you just said. Like people used to try to obviously sneak out of training camp and stuff and every once in a while they get out, they'd be able to uh Andy Dufresne their way out somehow, <laughs> you know what I mean? But down there they literally can't escape because it would be a health concern for people that are worth billions and billions of dollars. You're hundred percent right. I didn't think about that. My- think about the think about the females too though, Pat. If if, oh, if there's some females that are chasing athletes, <laughs> they know these guys are sequestered away from their families, their girlfriends, their wives, their kids most likely are not there, and they're like, okay, this is a target-rich environment. If yep. I can just work my way in. They're going to get helicopters and shit. I, I bet you there's going to be a couple target thought choppers. There's going to be yeah. thought choppers coming into Disney World. Nobody even thought of Thoughts are coming through Epcot. Go ahead and get them. That's incredible. Yeah, good luck. Good luck containing the whole league for however long it takes. I didn't even think about that. What a fucking point. That it's not is. like, oh, hey, this guy snuck out, and he went to the gas station, and and bought some candy like okay cool shut the league down like that's how worried they're going to be about this um a tweet just came i it seems like there's no chance of it happening 
All these ideas. We talked to Sham Charania yesterday from The Athletic. He said that the 16-page memo that all everybody got for them to potentially go back to practice is very thorough about who's allowed in, who's not allowed in. And Mark Madden came on the show this morning. He's Pittsburgh radio show host who is very polarizing. But he said, um, he said that he thinks players will have a problem with this until there's a vaccine. Like what player... There's going to be at least one player in every league, at least one, who's going to say, why should I go out there if there's no vaccine? You're not, it's not good enough for the fans, but it's good enough for me, which is going to cause a problem. He, he's thinking that there's no chance that any of this really happens. And I, by the way, I think it's a pretty fair point. If a player's like, well, I'm not, I don't want to get COVID-19, what's going on? Unless that could become a big problem for the leagues in general. Yeah, but just the whole biodome like idea. And I, I give all these leagues credit. I know the hockey's trying to figure something out like this. Football's talked about it. Basketball's talked about it. Just it, it makes sense in theory, but to try to actually execute that, I don't think they're thinking through all the steps of how difficult it may be to keep these players away from other random people and just not having anybody, like, no access anywhere. So they go there, cool, oh, hey, I live in Disney World, but I can't do anything. I can't go anywhere. Well, you can go down to Germany and have, uh, have a Guinness. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to be open. That'd be Ireland, but. Huh? For, the, for the players, though. Would you guys want to do they're it? They're going to open Disney World just for the players? <laughs> if you were playing still? Why, Why not? not? They're, they're playing in the Epcot ball, AJ. Happiest place on earth. Fucking light them up, pal. Get me on the Avatar ride. Cool. That's fun for a day. And then what do they do for the next The Avatar ride? Days? The Avatar ride is fun every day. It's timeless. It. There's like eight parks there. I mean, it's they're fu- good for at least two yeah. weeks. I, I've only so, been... Okay, let's say Harry so every World NBA too. player is just an avid roller coaster fan and they love oh, it. Oh, so you're now the Animal Kingdom doesn't exist. What Gee, are you talking yeah, they've about? They've been able to ride those rides since they were like five years old. What man. are you your talking about? Is, your knowledge uh, of the... Of Space Mountain! ...baffles me how much you guys know about it. Yeah, well, it's the best. I've only been one time. And I have no idea how anybody goes to that place. It was a hellhole, and there was a lot of lines. But we play. We paid for the super pass thing, and we fast st- pass. Baby. We still had to wait in line. So it was like Jeez. I saw people waiting in line for two hours to get into something that was a complete dud. Something that I seen at Kennywood as a kid. It was much better. But the <laughs> Avatar ride is something that I would wait in line a couple hours for on a regular basis. If, if I'm playing in that biodome and I'm in the NBA and I can't do anything else, I'm heading over to the Last Voyage or whatever the hell the Avatar thing is, and I'm riding that some bitch all night yeah well good luck if you're an nba player and you're six foot nine trying to squeeze into those little cars it's not a car you get on like a little motorcycle and then Mm. you put a thing on and then you it's a 3d virtual experience thing where you're jacob solly flying on a fucking bird avatars are nine feet so they'll fit perfectly exactly Mm. exactly good point good point i didn't think about this my bad guys i completely (laughs) i I back off biodome is a good idea well what you said at the first though about dudes being dudes there's going to be a potential problem there that I had not even thought of. But then once I started thinking about it, I'm like, that is going to be a real problem. Because, you know, some of those ladies, I bet they'll dress up as if they are working for the cops to try to get in. I mean, there will be, I think there will be planned escapes and planned entrances if they do that. I'm kind of pumped to hear about it. Minnie Mouse costume. What if it's just the playoffs, though? (laughs) These guys will lock in just for the playoffs. Come on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how, (laughs) how long would that be? Two weeks, three weeks. You young innocent man. If they run it like a March Madness style, what is that? Three weeks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah about a month. Month. Yeah. Three weeks to Maybe. a month. Uh, yeah, three weeks. Three to four weeks is the absolute max. I think you could have those guys in there. <laughs> I think so too. It'll uh, still be difficult, but I, I, that's it's possible. 
All right, so there's a lot of things obviously coming out about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers because of Brett Favre's conversation yesterday on the Rich Eisen Show. He talked about how he has spoken to Aaron. He said basically he was surprised, and then he made the comment that he has every right to be disappointed if he is, and then he ultimately said that he sees Aaron Rodgers finishing his career in another jersey just like him, just like Montana, just like Peyton, just like Tom. He very much feels as if that – Kind of got his gears moving to potentially think about playing elsewhere because he was dead set on finishing his legacy as a Green Bay Packer. So now everybody is coming out with their opinions and thoughts, and we knew that people were going to stick up for the Green Bay Packers. Here's Warren Sharp from Sharp Football. Find someone to dislike you as much as the Packers reportedly dislike Rodgers. You know, someone who gives you $79 million guaranteed and just paid you a $19.5 million roster bonus last month. Very valid point there. In Blue- that was from the contract. When did he sign that contract? Two years Two ago. Two years ago. Okay. Well, that's the old regime, first off. For- and it was part of his deal. Like you're not gonna they don't want to get rid of Aaron today. Of course they don't, but it looks like they're trying to set up to get rid of him in a couple years. Did the previous GM pay Aaron this current contract? Goody's been there for a long time. He just hasn't been the GM for that long. He was well, Ted the Thompson. head scout, wasn't he? Ted Thompson's still there, who was the previous mm-hmm. GM. No, Ted's not exact. Is Ted still officially with the team? Yeah. Mark Murphy, I think, is also the... Yeah, he's the president. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, I think he's making some decisions, though, isn't he? So who, oh, yeah. yeah. He's, Mark Murphy, I guess, is the closest thing to an owner that the Packers have. So who negotiated the contract for Aaron Rodgers? His agent. <laughs> and from the Packers' side... Uh, that at the time, there's a guy named Russ Ball who's still there. He was the contract guy. I don't know. If, I don't know if it was Russ or not. But that's not Gunther Gunther's decision, right? That wasn't no, the his... GM was Ted Thompson. I think when Aaron mm-hmm. re-upped. Okay, so that all leads to even more so him not liking Aaron. Right? His salary cap is being taken away by a contract that was designed uh, before I got in charge. This quarterback's getting all the credit for all the wins that we put together. You could see how that narrative can continue to be spun. Um, According to an AFC coach, says Mike Freeman from Bleacher Report, an AFC coach, which is in the the opposite conference, Green Bay drafted Utah State quarterback Jordan Love in the first round in part to send Aaron Rodgers a message. We run this, not you. Multiple executives and coaches around the league agreed to that statement, says Mike Freeman. I love it. This turned into reality television. I'm here for it. But I, what... What AFC, a AFC coach? By the way, that could be the ball boy or the GA for an AFC team, a guy that doesn't even drop scout team play cards and says that to that. And then he said multiple other executives agreed. It's like, okay, so you took this random quote to another executive in the NFL and said, would you agree with this statement? And the executive, not trying to build his team or worry about the technology or the Zoom stuff, said, yeah, I would agree with that statement. Like, who the fuck has time to do that? I don't know. But if that was what they were saying – do you think that's how Aaron received the message? I don't know. I mean, he's probably still confused as to what the message is because the more I talk about the the Packers draft and what they did, the more confused I am as what the plan is moving forward. I mean, the fact they didn't draft any wide receivers, you didn't what did they take one D lineman maybe later in the draft? Yeah, seventh round. Hey, yeah, it's hey, just, hey, that's that's what's more telling is the rest <laughs> of the draft. Fucking take it easier on the seventh round slander. Well, he said later in the draft. That's I mean. Yeah, but the way you do it, seventh round. <laughs> I'm fucking product of that round. What do you think, Pat? Like, what do you think the plan is in Green Bay? Who am I? Am I the Packers or am I Aaron Rodgers? If you're the Packers, 
Well, I don't do anything that they did. So that's, <laughs> it's tough to put myself in that position. If you're Aaron. If I'm Aaron, I'm pissed. I am very furious. And, and I guess two different ways to go about doing this. You have a lot of respect for Jordan Love because you've been in the same type of position, although it's nowhere near similar because you fell into their lap as opposed to trading up and get it. You know that this is not Jordan Love's fault, right? So I know Aaron probably has to balance that. Like, this is not this guy's fault. Who's going to be, by the way, watching film with me, eating lunch with me, probably going and traveling with me. He's in team meetings with me. This guy that I'm going to be around probably 10 hours a day, for six months, it's not if the season's that long. It's not his fault. So I'm going to have to bury that. Or you could go scorched earth, right, try to dominate so that in two years when the majority of your guaranteed money is up, you can go somewhere and get the hell out of there and renegotiate another deal. Or if you're Aaron Rodgers, you can say, you know what, fuck it, I quit. I'm going to go ahead and good luck. I'm going to retire like Carson Palmer unless you let me out of my contract and I'll go elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea what he, how he views it, but I'm sure. Think about that. Okay, so he's four years left. Let's say he goes out there and just absolutely lights it up for two years. Then he puts the Packers in a really difficult position. Like, okay, we should continue to roll with Aaron, but then our first round pick from a couple of years ago is just just sitting here trying. We don't really know what we have in Jordan Love yet. I think Jordan, Aaron could put himself in a good spot though. Either you force the Packers to say, "All right, cool, yeah, you're gonna play your, you're gonna finish your contract out." Your first-round pick from a couple years ago, he's going to sit for four years. But if they want to move on from Aaron for some reason after two years, you make it a tough decision. And then, by the way, have them cut you so then you can go and you get to pick. You're a free agent for the first time in your career like Tom Brady was. You get to entertain offers. You get to every team catering to you. And hopefully you're not in the COVID situation where you could take a few visits and see what the best fit may be. Do you know how long – Ben Roethlisberger's contract is at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tell him, Diggs. Two more years. Diggs, who would be your favorite option at quarterback after Ben Roethlisberger is done with his two more years? Aaron Rodgers. What would you say to other fan bases if your team goes from Ben Roethlisberger to Aaron Rodgers as a Pittsburgh Steeler? At that point, we're going for our ninth Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> There's things like that that can happen, though. There are teams that know that Aaron Rodgers is probably available in two years from now, right? There's teams that know that, who are looking at their contracts, who are thinking about things. They're like, all right, obviously we want to win now because everybody wants to win now. We don't want to get fired. But in a couple years, we're probably going to have a chance to get another goat like Tom Brady who was on the Also, you brought up earlier, like if Phil is in Indy for two years or Tom is in Tampa for two years, like these teams are going to have options to go Drew Brees is allegedly for two years. I mean, there is – I mean, are there big teams right now? There, there probably are some smart GMs out there that are already putting like the pieces in place. Like, okay, hey, two years from now, we need to make sure we got some cap space. If, our, if we have a quarterback position open, we need to make a play at this guy if he becomes available. And oh, by the way, right now we're already like today reaching out to his agent. Like, hey, I know it's down the road, <laughs> may not be possible, but I'm just letting you know. Come to us first. By the way, his agent reps Lafleur and Jordan Love as well. Really? His agency, yeah. Is that CAA then? Yeah, no. I think so. Athletes first? Aaron's Athletes first? It's, uh, what's his agent's name? I forget his name's big dude, nice guy. Tom, I don't forget his name. Athletes first, I believe. Yeah, he's all, he's been with Athletes first mm-hmm. unless he's changed. Oh, so CAA must do his all, all his non-football stuff. Yeah, the CAA does his marketing. Good for him. Wow. Ed Berry. Couple agencies. Well, and State Farm. Da-da. They were trying to replace him with Patrick Mahomes. What if Jordan Love gets the State Farm? No. Oh, no. Oh, no. Don't say it. He's got double check. What if they find out LeFleur 
is sending emails to State Farm, being like, hey, we got a nice, a young, fresh face for your commercials in Jordan Love. Do you think it's LaFleur who's <laughs> allegedly tired of Aaron Rodgers' shit? Do you think that's accurate? I mean, the, the allegedly being tired of his, like, the article is about that and saying, I don't, it, like, I just don't think that LaFleur would have voiced that to anybody to say, oh, I'm sick of this guy. I've been here, I've been here 11 months and I've just had enough. This guy just throws too many touchdowns and gets us to the NFC Championship game. I can't do this anymore. What were his stats last year? He had 26 touchdowns and four interceptions or five interceptions. And if you do the math, 586 yards was dropped. Let's just assume that we would add at least six touchdowns there. Now, granted, we'd have to start on the one and you would, let's assume he scores at least six touchdowns with those 586 yards worth of drops. He would have had 32 touchdowns last year with four interceptions. Pretty good. That's, the, that's the, the craziest thing that Aaron does is how he protects the ball. Like his TD to INT ratio is unbelievable. It's so far ahead of, of pretty much everybody else. That's what is so crazy to me is how he consistently just doesn't turn the ball over. And by the way, he doesn't have first-round talent at wide receiver, which although Devontae Adams is very good, Jordy Nelson's been good, there's been good players, but you're in the first round because I said this yesterday, and then I listened back to me saying it, and I was like, you know what? That's a really fucking good point. Let's make sure we hammer that home. You know why people end up in the first round? Because they're fast, they're explosive, they can get out of their routes quicker than other people. And they made a bunch of plays in college. And they made a bunch of plays in college, so they're not they're used to it. But that fast and explosion thing is a big deal. Think back to Tom Brady on the side line when he was looking at his wide receivers i need you to be faster i need you to be more explosive i need you to get open like those are things that first round talents those are naturally the traits that they have now granted not every first rounder pans out but the reason why that person's a first rounder and somebody else who might have had the same amount of catches is a third rounder or fourth rounder probably because they're faster and more explosive than they are and those are things that get you open in the nfl aaron Rodgers has been able to get people open because he can drop that thing in a fucking bucket right on their chest every single time it's so intriguing. I know the stats can, you know, paint any narrative that you want to paint. You can take a stat to paint any picture you want. That one touchdown thing to a first rounder, which was Mercedes Lewis, is just alarming. I mean, it is it is eye opening, and in, especially in retrospect, whenever you think about what they did with their draft this year. How do you think their virtual off is going? There's no way Aaron's there. There's no way. I'm sure he is. I'm sure he has a workout bonus that he wants, so he's got to show up. Think about because his quarterback meetings are what just teaching Jordan Love the offense. So Aaron Rodgers just has to sit in that Zoom with the quarterback coach Jordan Love and probably whatever undrafted free agent. We need to get that person on the show. Yeah. We need third to get uh, we need to get the third and fourth quarterbacks on the show to see how those zooms are going. Because what's Aaron doing? Just sitting at the beach hitting golf balls? Like, come on! I mean, our offense. You know what Aaron should do? He should reach out to. I don't know if you guys have seen the dude. I think he's an Italian guy who looks like Aaron. And he ended up coming to a game at Lambeau. Oh, There's like a whole thing you can see videos of him. I don't know yeah. his name. Aaron should should have hired that guy, quarantined with him back in March if he saw this coming and be like, Good. I'm still gonna get my workout bonus. I'm gonna stick this guy in front of the, the Zoom camera <laughs> for virtual off season and I can go do whatever the hell I want. Oh, that's awesome. All right, let's get to uh, a segment that we all – what's that? There was a couple things that came across the wire while right. we were talking about Aaron. All right, here we go. Uh, Ted Gid was signed by the Chicago Bears. Okay, Ted. Right, Ted. Bear down. Bear down. Bear down. We like Ted a lot. Unofficial 409. Nick Foles is going to throw the ball to the him all over the yard. If that defense can pick it up, maybe the Bears are all the way back. We like Ted. I liked him a lot after talking to him, and he's still got speed. He's still got burst, can still be a deep threat for you, but you got to be able to throw it to him, a la Nick Foles. And Ron Rivera said, I've thought about Cam Newton. It depends on circumstances. 
Alex Smith will not be playing quarterback for the Redskins this year, I believe. <laughs> I thought there was a chance he was going to have a comeback story, and boy, that 30-for-30 30 30 thing that they're running on him tomorrow night, the clips that we have seen, it does not look like his leg will be back doing any physical activity, but I think it took a lot of hard work to get to where he's at right now. So I absolutely – rehab sucks, and I think the rehab he had to go through was worse than maybe anybody else in the history of leg injuries. Ever. But uh, Dwayne Haskins is there, right? Mm-hmm. Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen. And that's it? Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked that the longer we go, the cheaper you can get Cam for. So that's what the circumstances are, I would guess, if you're Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera loves Cam Newton, too. I thought there was a chance Ron Rivera and Cam Newton did not get along for whatever reason. I just thought there was a chance. Ron Rivera came on this show, and he said, yeah, the reason why I was fired because we didn't have a healthy Cam Newton. Like He was very open. He was like, Cam Newton wasn't healthy. Uh, whenever he's playing, he's a dynamic player. We didn't have that. They wanted to move on. I got fired. That's how it goes. I think Ron Rivera is a big Cam Newton fan. Well, that'd be awesome. Good for him. Ron Rivera also came out and said that he heard that there was a first-round draft pick uh, offered up for Trent Williams last season before he got in control or whatever, and it was turned down for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. This year they took a third and a fifth from the Niners for Trent Williams. I would assume Ron Rivera would have wished for that first-round draft pick this <laughs> yep. year. That's why he came out and said this. Uh, I wonder what team was going. Was that the Browns you think were going to offer up a one? Been. Who would have been offering up a one for him? Whoever it was, I think the San Francisco 49ers got a dog. But Ron Rivera is trying to turn that entire place around, I think, and maybe he'll be the guy to do it. Yeah, he is. I mean, they've had issues from the from the top down oh. forever. The Which owner, what, they got rid of though, the, uh, the GM who was the big issue, right? Bruce He's Allen. Gone. He's a dumb, dumb stooge, <laughs> that guy. Yeah, like Trent Williams got him. Didn't the, the head trainer get fired too on how they – they bumbled the whole situation with Trent. I don't. I don't think I know enough about that whole thing. It, it came out what he had cancer or yeah, something. He had a head. brain tumor or something. Yeah. And then they didn't want to pay him. And then I think that bridge was burned. He got jaded. And he was like, yeah, "The hell with these." I, I, I think. Bruce Allen, Schneider, the entire operation where he came out with his collar popped. It was like, we actually have a pretty good culture here. It's like <laughs> literally every human that's been in there has says this is a disaster. And that's why when I talked to Ron Rivera, I was like, you could have had the Browns job. You could have had any other job you wanted. Why'd you take the Redskins job? He said, uh, when he met with Schneider, it was a much different conversation than the noise that he had heard from the outside. So I don't know if you should trust Ron Rivera. I do. He says that maybe it was a much different operation with that Bruce guy in charge. But I think Ron Rivera is going to do the Redskins and their massive fan base, by the way. They have a very large fan base. I think they're going to be pumped to see it. But if Cam Newton's there, I mean, that's must-see television. Yeah, they're, they're hungry to win. Their fan base definitely wants that to happen, I think. They're, they feel like they've been bad for a long time now. But I wanted to transition quick when I, I read the thing about Jerry Jones trying to force CeeDee Lamb to wear number 88 <laughs> because, what, his old teammate passed away? Jerry Lamb passed away uh, in December. He's old teammate from Arkansas, and he wants him to wear 88 in honor of him. So CeeDee Lamb is going to have to learn a lot about Jerry Lamb. He's going to have to learn a lot about this story. And if you're C.D. Lamb wearing the two eights for the Dallas Cowboys is a hell of an honor, I think. I think this is something that's cool. I think he'll look back and be grateful for it. Even though he won the number 10, old 88, you got a lot of great company with that number. Hopefully they have a quarterback to throw him the fucking ball. <laughs> Well, is he going to do it? Has CD said, I'm, I'm going to wear 88? Yes. Come on, You HM. can't. What are you talking about? I think Jerry may respect that, like the ultimate power move. Like, hey, Jerry, appreciate it, man. I'm still wearing 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I think Jerry may be like, he'd be pissed, and he'd be like, 
I think I like this guy. Well, I like this guy. <laughs> this guy looked me right in my eyes and said, fuck you, Jerry. <laughs> you know the last time somebody said yeah. that to me? It was probably 50 years ago, and I said, this guy's got gumption. <laughs> now, granted, we don't have a quarterback aside from Kellen Moore that can throw him the ball. <laughs> we will figure that out. But I like – and the number 88, by the way, still available for anybody that wants to play for the Cowboys. I like the move. I like – I like I, – I just like – I don't mind it. Like, I, I think it's kind of cool, actually. Because Michael Irving, Des Bryant, you name it. Like, that's a – I like that there's something of a little bit of sacred in the – like, that doesn't normally happen in the NFL. Normally, that's a college thing. I can respect – now, granted, he said it was for Jerry Lamb. Yeah. <laughs> I would have said it a little bit differently, but I don't mind it. And I think CD is going to be a hell of a player. Does Amari get upset that he was that Jerry wasn't, hey, you should wear 88 when he came over? Yeah. Uh. Well, no, because Jerry can say no. Well, no, come on, Amar. He's got the same last name. That's why we're doing it. Well, and my friend wasn't dead. I was gonna say Jerry Lamb was still kicking when they got uh, him. The first yeah, time. but well, then why wouldn't Jerry you want Amari or... to wear it now? And then CD could wear ten. Well, Jerry's kayfabing right now. I believe this. <laughs> the story is the Irvin Des Bryant eighty eights are a big deal. But then he thought about well, then all the other wide receivers are gonna be mad. Well, none of them been on team since Jerry died. <laughs> Jerry, how'd you get your number, AJ? Uh, they gave it to me. Yep. Packers or high school? Packers did, and in college, same thing. Forty-seven. I wore in college. And you wore. F- they, did you get to do this, Pat? And when I went to college, when I first got there, they gave you a little sheet, and you could write down your top three choices for your number. No. And I wrote down three choices, and forty-seven was not one of them. But I got forty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they just threw us in a locker. I learned I was 40 whenever I got there for the summer conditioning, and it had McAfee 40, and then the next alphabetical order person was 41. I was like, damn. I just They just literally handled these <laughs> by alphabetical order. And then going into my sophomore year, they wanted to change me to 41. And by that point, I already had like, oh, it's my favorite drink. It's my GPA. Like, I would like, I would like to keep the forty. <laughs> so I had to go talk to Richrod. I was like, you know, uh, I had to make up something. I was like, my family already got jerseys. Is there any way I can keep forty? He was like, you want forty? I was like, more than forty fucking one. Yeah, what was the point of that? I don't know. I have no idea. I wonder if a recruit came in there, requested forty, and he was, just thought he was going to boost me. And to Richrod's credit, he let me keep forty, which was not a number I would have ever wanted in my entire life. But here I was. Yeah, schools will they'll unretire numbers for like four and five star recruits if you have a big stud player that you're trying to recruit and you want to bring him in a lot of times they they'll offer to unretire a number and they'll they'll contact the person if he's alive whose jersey is retired and ask him if it's all right hey we didn't coach you and we don't show any of your highlights and we have no idea that you even exist other than your name being up on our stadium we're thinking about taking your name down and the number is that okay <laughs> we got this defensive end coming out of florida he wants to wear the number six is there any way they can get it Oh, do I have any up? Nah, not really. Just this was a heads up. By the way. <laughs> All right, take care. Go Bucks. Well, that's like the Steelers gave David DeCastro sixty six because of Alan Fanica. They said, "Oh, you play guard. You're really good. You're going to be the next Alan Fanica." Here you go. See, I like that. They were right. Fifty yeah. gets passed down by the Patriots too, and went Vrabel to Ninkovich, and now Winovich has been the next one. See, I like that. What I didn't like was they were giving number one jerseys for the Colts to any fucking human that walked into the stadium. <laughs> I didn't like it. <laughs> 
I didn't like that. Oh, this person got a in seventh place in the Olympics. Here's a jersey from the Colts, number one with that person's last name on it. I'm like, yo, I've been a number two jersey seller here for like four years. Can we have a little fucking respect for the thing? And they're like, oh, here's the cheerleaders. They all have number one jerseys with their names on the back of them. And then they're selling like Happy Mother's Day with the number one. I'm like, dude, does this mean fucking nothing? I'm breaking every record that you have right now. Does this mean nothing? And they're like, nope, it doesn't actually. And then once I left, they're like, a wide receiver got it as soon as I left. He got cut. Well, you know, a good wide receiver. He got cut. And then now, I mean, it's just – so I've given up on caring about numbers. Yeah, you shouldn't. I, I mean, the, the good thing is the NFL doesn't have enough players where they have double numbers like college, which is the stupidest thing ever. When you're, you're starting receiver and you're starting corner, both are wearing number two. Brian Cushing. I only got the number – yeah, he had to take off, didn't he? No, he wore he wore number 10 at USC. I think John David Booty, I think, was the quarterback who also wore it. It was wild. It was, it's hard calling games by the way. Now, granted, I didn't know any of the kids' names anyways, but then I would think as Adam Amin would say their name and their number, I'd lock it in. And then on defense side of the ball, he'd be like, number 58. And I'm like, wait, that was just the fullback. Is that the same mother? No, different guy. And then there's some players that have to change their jerseys because they're going to be on a special teams unit that's with somebody else who has the same number. I mean, it's a nightmare situation. The They opened up up zero, I feel like. Is it in the NFL or in college? NCAA, NCAA. I like it. If I'm a kicker, by the way, I'm putting that zero Ooh. as quick as possible. Are hey, you? Oh box, yeah. Box zero. Oh yeah. If you wear if you wear zero as a kicker, that first that first missed kick, you're getting death threats. Well, I mean, it's going to happen in any. Either way, it does. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would tease hero. I mean, there would be a lot of things that would be coming out of my mouth cutting promos for being number zero. The reason why I was number one is because it was the first available option for the Colts, and my parents and friends were blacked out, drunk, screaming in my ear, and I could barely hear anything. Like, what number do you want? What's available? One. I'll take it. All right. Cool. No, nothing else other than that. You didn't even get to pick 50. They just gave it to you, number five. Well, no, they gave me a couple options. There was a couple 50s available, but not many. I mean, there's linebackers when I came into the league could wear from 50 to 59. Now they can wear in the 40s, I believe, or the 90s, which I obviously didn't want a 90. Uh, I think 50 was available. I don't know what else was, but I was like, yeah, 50 is fine. I don't care. You did good with it. Thanks. Hey, man, I'm proud of you for that. Someone could have came and bought it from me if they wanted it. I, I, had, I had no emotional ties to any number. <laughs> a lot of people it's had an A.J. Hawk 50 jersey, and I think they I would. I did, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ty Schmidt that's had great. an eight. I, that's, I, I appreciate that. That's no, awesome. But it means it's like Jordy Nelson. When Jordy went, to, Jordy went to Oakland, and somebody, whoever had 87 at the time, was like, oh, hey, you can – you can buy my. You can buy eighty-seven. He's like, yeah, right. Like, no chance. I'm buying eighty. I'm not buying my number. I don't care. I, what number did he wear? Eighty-nine, maybe. Eighty-two, I think. Not a bad scam, by the way, for the person who sees somebody gets brought to the team who has a big pocket. Uh, it's going to be tough, but you can get my number, man. Only ten racks or so, maybe twenty, thirty. It depends on how much you want it. Not a bad play. Not a bad play. I'm surprised no one came after you to try to get number one. That's a that number. A lot of guys would want. You got to remember back in the day, nobody was really wearing one. I know. I, like when I first started wearing one, Warren Moon I guess had before, and now who wears one now? Yeah, what now big time players wear number Cam one? Newton. Cam Newton. Cam Newton. Other than him, does Kyler wear one? Kyler ten? No, he might be one, one or two. Yeah, yeah, he might be. I one. just realized I don't know anybody's number. I do because I follow the game, but it's um. Okay. I think Kyler is one. <laughs> Kyler is one. Kyler and Cam. McAfee, okay. Kyler, Cam, obviously. McAfee, Kyler, Cam. I hear that a lot. <laughs> I enjoyed the one. It made me look thinner. Made me look you think? thinner. You think it did? 
I think so, yeah, because there was a couple times coming out of Thanksgiving where we were on the road and it was a primetime game and I was a little bit worried, but the bottom of the one covered up my belly button. <laughs> you know what I mean? I had a big hole for my belly button and the one was just sitting right there. Did you have any guys in when you guys wore uh, all white, especially your white pants that you always wear, that wore nothing underneath? Yeah, a lot of guys. And uh, you sweat through it with by end of warm ups, you're already sweating through and your pants are see through. Oh, yeah. And that new uh, Nike made that new pant. It came out and they're like, this thing, it's just like wearing tights. It's it's the most freeing pant that we've made. You're going to love it. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, these do feel good. And then five minutes into the first practice, everybody's ass and balls are the same. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> One of my long snappers didn't wear underwear with those pants the first time. Oh. So first day of practice, we got backed up drill, which means he's closer to me than he normally is. And uh, I have to look directly at it. And uh, Tom Zibikowski was the PP. And Tom goes, that's disgusting. <laughs> that? And then it, it, I catch her whenever I punt. I'm like, are you talking about how we can see literally like his butthole right now? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And, and, the, and the snapper was like, what are you talking about? Like these pants are see, you have to wear underwear. You have to. This is not fair to us back here. I don't like it. It doesn't make me feel as free or whatever. It was a full, it was a full conversation. We're like, it's not your fault. But Nike did not think at all about the the wet test for this thing because it, that first training, I think they had to change them actually because every guy you could just see their entire leg. It was just like nothing was going on. It was like it was insanity. It was wild. Even if they like, even if a lot of guys just wear a jock and nothing else, your, your ass is still out there. Bare. One to see. Yeah, I wore tights all the time though. I always wore so blue, blue tights underneath everything. Probably the right I had part. to because the NFL socks are awful i can't wear the socks yeah so i wore the blue tights all the way down because we had to go white then blue so that's what that was that was my move with the socks you remember back when they were gustapo on the uniforms like if you're fu hey if your ankles are even showing we could find you 10 grand or whatever it's like yo take it easy they would come in at there's a guy for each team each facility each stadium has a guy and they come and he writes down in warm-ups and then they come in and they hand a list to the strength coach and the strength coach hey uh aj low white and then everyone just yells at the strength coach shut up man my white's fine and they, they take it out on him, even though he's not the guy that... Listen, like, I'm, hey, just, man, I'm just delivering a message, man. Just delivering a message. There was a uniform ref at every game. And what? whenever they first when they first started still, making... It still happens. Still happens to this day. Still happens. But whenever they first made the uniform rules, they wanted everybody to look the exact same. And that was when they took out the celebrations. They took out celebrations and made the uniform rule because they thought, once we lose a player, if he has no individual identity, we can just plug and place new people in there. Everybody looks the exact same. You're not allowed to dance you're not allowed to do anything out of the order so fines like a super bowl uh uniform fines like a hundred thousand dollars by the way so it's like Whoa. these fines were massive and they were for things like oh your sock ran down for like a play and a half you didn't pick it up guys were you getting had skin showing like if your knee was showing at all like if you tried to wear i don't know how guys wear the nfl socks in the in the socks ever stay up and don't roll down and have some skin showing you have to or you have to tuck it into your pant i guess all the way up there oh, but never never because then you, you gotta can't wear bend, tights because then you can't bend your leg the people that don't wear tights i don't think they fully get it but they whenever those rules were first being instituted I mean, it was tough. Guys were not happy. I mean, it was guys. I were, got. I had to get on a phone call with the league. They threatened to suspend me a game because I had green tape on my wrist when we were wearing a green jersey. What was it supposed to be black? It was supposed to be white, I guess. But I believe me, I dove into that rule book and checked it out and everything. Like, <laughs> yeah, I I fought hard for that green tape just because it was such a stupid thing. Like, you keep wearing this green. I I had to get on a phone call. Uh, I don't know if it was Merton Hanks. I don't know who it was. And they're like, 
I'm just telling you, man, AJ, if you keep wearing this green tape, we're going to have to sit you down a game. And I was like, excuse me? You're going to suspend me? You're going to suspend me for tape that technically is not against the rules? It wasn't like I was wearing bright pink tape and it wasn't the month of October. Like I was wearing the same color as my uniform. Well, they had rules on what color cleats you're allowed to wear. If you're this team, you're only allowed to wear this color cleats. Under they all these rules are still in place, though, Pat. You're acting like they're gone. True, but they're not. I don't think they're enforced as hard. They're, that first year, it was like even Peyton got in trouble for the cleats. Yeah, the first year it was like very, 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 very hard. But then they have the, the white cleats, so that was just yeah. a gimmick. He wasn't actually going to wear those. But uh, those high tops, the United or whatever, they yeah. look fantastic. Um, but <laughs> if your undershirt isn't the proper undershirt color, because like you're supposed to wear a white undershirt, you have have just like a blue one hanging out a little bit they were finding people for that well, I mean, if it's too far like if, say I, I i like to wear when i was in college i wore a black like under armor skin tight shirt under my jersey and it came out a little bit on my arms it when i first got in the league i tried to wear a, a white one which you're allowed to wear white underneath the jersey but it was a, the tight sleeves but it came down like half just a little bit out of my jersey halfway down my arm and they said i can't do that you're going to get fined if you continue to do this but if it went down all the way to my elbow, it's fine. But because it was two and a half inches short, I would find 10,000 to start and then 25 the next game and then 50. It just keeps going up. I think I was potentially designated as a quarterback one time because of my sleeve rule. I think like actually the equipment manager is like, oh, he's a quarterback. He's allowed to have that. because Yeah, like Andy Dalton wears those right down to his elbow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah If think... you're a quarterback, you can wear that. But other positions, you can't. But I can wear long sleeve white, but it can't be – not three quarters. It can't just be peeking out of my pads three inches. It's wild. It makes no sense. A lot of money to be made, and Clay Matthews is still owed $2 million. We've been wearing our <laughs> uniforms as right as we possibly can. We can't thank you enough for watching uh, this show. If you enjoyed it, please tell your friends. Uh, if you didn't enjoy it, just act like it never fucking happened. If you're not subscribed already, please ring the bell. I believe it's up here. AJ, can you point up this way? I, actually, it might be up the other way. It might be. Yeah, it might be. There we be, go. Yeah. No, no, well, no, 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 the, no. First, the first way you do no, it. No, the other way, I think. One of these bells, if you could please ring one of these bells. It's only if you're watching on the computer, though, right? Yeah. You can ring my bell. Ring my bell. Ring my bell. A lot of people think that whenever we break out in a song, you hate it. Is that accurate? No, I don't hate it. Okay. okay. I hate that you try to get me involved. Well, I mean... I don't want to say everybody else on the show is involved at some point and you choose not to, but you do. You want to know, you want to know something, Pat? You want to know something like pull the curtain back? Oh, whoa. if I wanted to sing, there you go. With getting your chest hair out. <laughs> that face is awful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if I wanted to sing with you guys, which I don't, I couldn't even do because if I'm speaking, when you guys are speaking, I, it's all muted. Like I, you can't hear me. That's not true. That's, We're a chorus. Yes, it is. Right. Oh, no, maybe only on your side. Only on your side. We can hear you. We can hear you right now. Exactly. Because I can't hear you. Yeah, but you can't hear, but we can hear you. Yep, we heard you. Exactly. Right now, we hear you. We hear you right now. You see that? We can still hear you right now. You're not talking. Now we can hear you. I don't care is what you said. See? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to help people out by not stepping on each other's voices. Well, you just stepped on the song. <laughs> no, I wanted you to keep going. What about the song? Can you turn this up? It's McAfee and Huck. It's McAfee and Huck Sports Talk. 
Oh, oh shit. Why can't we hear his voice? See, you can't, but we can. It's always hard to get the proper nutrition into your body, whether you're on the go, whether you're working, or maybe you're just lazy and don't really think about it. A company has come along and made one scoop to make your life a better one, and that's our friends at Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is a one-stop shop for everything that your body could possibly fucking need from a nutritional standpoint in one clean scoop. I, I am a big fan of this Athletic Greens. I've never taken care of myself. I'm a noted poor eater poor drinker, poor liver. And now that we've been on this run here for the last 11, 12 weeks, the thing that I've noticed that has saved me just a little bit has been my scoop of Athletic Greens. And I also have travel packets, which have worked out perfectly for everything we have to get going right now. You need to get this into your daily routine because your nutritional needs need you to have you ready for whatever the day throws at you. You struggle to get in nutrient-dense fruit and veggies. You're looking to overcome gut health issues or nutrient deficiencies. You just don't feel as good as you used to. You travel frequently or struggle to eat as well on the road. You're an athlete or professional seeking enhanced performance. You don't want to take multiple supplements at home or on the road. If all of these things are yeses or any of these things are yeses, you need to get with Athletic Greens right now. Your body's nutritional needs change due to stress, travel, sleep patterns, exercise, and the imperfect diet. Even with a balanced, healthy diet, it can be tough to cover your nutritional bases. That's why top performers, athletes, executives, entrepreneurs trust Athletic Greens. Right now, you can get 20 free travel packs, which is valued at $79 with your first purchase whenever you go to athleticgreens.com forward slash pat that's 20 free travel packs which is valued at 79 dollars for free when you go to athleticgreens.com forward slash pat respect your body appreciate your body fill it up with the right shit athletic greens has all the good shit for you athleticgreens.com forward slash pat 20 free travel packets we don't want to start spending any rumors Adam Thielen, a Minnesota Vikings stud, was joined by a man at LSU, was unguardable. He has both SEC and LSU records for 111 catches in a single season. He had 1,500 yards and 18 touchdowns. Drafted number 22 overall to the Minnesota Vikings, ladies and gentlemen, Justin Jefferson. Yeah! Oh boy, Justin! Yeah, Justin! Yeah! <laughs> what's going on man not much man just you know just chilling man just working out and trying to stay in shape to to get ready to go to minnesota whenever i'm whenever i can okay so we've talked to a lot of vets who have had to figure out their workout routines and everything like that throughout this entire quarantine for you you're not 100 percent sure yet what your body would need for a 16 game season a four game season have you been reaching out to people i assume lsu alumni have been reaching out to you telling you what you need to work on and what you should think about am i accurate in saying that uh, definitely, yeah. I've been I've been talking to a lot of guys, and um, even even on the Minnesota Vikings right now, uh, just talking to Adam and, and, and Kirk, and you know, just things that I need to know to you know 
improve my game and uh, just be more comfortable going into Minnesota. Did Kirk Cousins reach out to you immediately after being drafted, or how did that whole interaction go? Um, really, he just was congratulating me, and uh, he was just excited to, to work with me. And, um, I mean, I'm definitely excited to work with, with, with all of those guys, too. You know, Minnesota uh, is a great team. You know, they have a great offense, great defense. So, uh, definitely working with those guys is going to be, you know, interesting and fun for me. You fell, I don't want to say you fell anywhere, but you're an incredible talent on every mock draft. Everybody had you going early. There's three, I think, wide receivers that everybody kind of saw in the same area. Now where you'll each go from here will be interesting. But what you just said to the Minnesota Vikings point, last year they get a road playoff win in New Orleans, right? They're humming, obviously. They're winning. Kirk Cousins is coming to his own. He finally gets a monkey off his back of winning in primetime. And then when they traded away Stephon Diggs to the Buffalo Bills, everybody knew that they were probably going to try to get a weapon to fill that hole how many teams had you had talked to that you thought you were going to end up at and were the minnesota vikings a constant conversation you were having throughout this entire process um that's probably one of the main like the main hard things about the draft you really never know where you're going to go um you know I, you can talk to so many teams throughout the league and um you know so many teams can hit you up or you know just give a lot of time towards you but you know come draft night you never know who you know decides to call your phone before another team. So uh, kind of just waiting around, just, you know, just uh, waiting for that phone call. So I'm, I'm pretty glad that uh, I went to the second, 22nd and, and fell to Minnesota. I'll tell you what. The city of Minneapolis is awesome. I mean, it gets cold as <laughs> balls. I mean, it is cold as hell. But that city is absolutely awesome. Yeah, I heard, I heard it was great. I mean, we have, you know, uh, similar fans, you know, I heard their their fans are great. And, um, you know, at LSU, our fans are one of the best in college football. So uh, going into that uh, environment, I'm going to kind of be used to it. And uh, it's kind of going to be like the same in college. Where are you from originally? I'm from Louisiana. Why did ESPN do you like this? Can you put up that graphic of him whenever he got drafted? <laughs> did you see the graphic they put up? It said zero-star recruit coming out of high school from ESPN. They basically, do you have that, Foxy? Yep. Look at this thing, Justin. I, I did not like that they did this. Hometown St. Rose, Louisiana, third in punt passing kick national championship at age nine. Congrats on that. Hey, I am a punt passing yeah. kick champion as well. Congrats yeah. on that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, zero star recruit, according to ESPN. Why did they take that shot at you? So you grew from 5'7 to 6'1, junior year of high school. Were you under recruited coming out? Is that something that uh, you. Definitely. Yeah. I, was, I, didn't have, I didn't have many offers at all. And, um, you know, just being, you know, that 5'7", and uh, being probably like 150 or, or something like that, uh, I, I was a late bloomer. So uh, a lot of teams didn't look look at me like that. I didn't get that uh, that praise that a lot of, you know, star uh, high schoolers have. So uh, coming into LSU with uh, only two-star recruit and uh, coming late, being the last one to receive an offer, you know, a lot of people thought I was a walk-on coming in and um, <laughs> didn't really, you know, believe that I was I was going to come in and be that uh, type of player that I am today. So, um, I mean, coming in and dealing with Coach Moffitt and 
all of the um, other coaches of the coaching staff uh, definitely helped me throughout my whole career. That's such a good story for, and it seems like it's more the majority of stories these days. Is it does not matter what anybody else says about you, you just go ahead and make it happen. I, I mean, right. whenever the people around Joe Burrow last off season, whenever he was coming into his senior year at LSU, Jordan Palmer, who was starting to become his quarterback kind of summit guru guy, he said that Jordan Jordan told us that Joe told him he was like, hey. This team we have next year is a assassin of a team. He started listing off players that nobody knows. Joe Burrow kind of felt that going into the year last year, it was going to be a great run. Is that something you all kind of had the expectation of? Like, hey, we have the chance to really make something special here. And then obviously, to cap it off with the national championship had to be beautiful. Oh, uh, yes. Um, I mean, we always felt like we had that talent on our team, but uh wasn't in that right system to really fit us and to you know put us above everybody else so um my going into my junior year um i mean we all just kind of really just sat down and, and really just you know really just focused on what we wanted to accomplish and um i mean the whole team really bought into the whole process and uh we all wanted you know one goal and that was to win that national championship and uh, do it for LSU and do it for the whole state of Louisiana. So um, just putting in that hard work every single day, coming <clears throat> come to practice and ready to go. So um, just all those extra weights and all those extra um, practices and all those extra things, it, it kind of helped us in the long run. Isn't it kind of interesting when you decide that you want to be great, like there's no longer wasted reps that you might have taken off before? <laughs> right. <clears throat> it's definitely true. When you have – when you have that goal in your mind and, and uh, you know, you set that, that marker on the whole team to, to reach that goal, then, um, I mean, it, everybody start acting different. So uh, we start actually playing like a, a championship team. We started acting like a championship team. Um, just, I mean, the whole confidence that we had, you know, going into each week. And, um, I mean, it kind of it kind of showed when we went on our own that failed. It was awesome to watch. Coach O, a legendary story has come out about him in pregame, I guess his speech or maybe the night before. He comes in with two Red Bulls, starts pounding his chest, takes his shirt off, and then Stone Cold Steve Austin's the Red Bulls. Is this something that was normal from Coach O? And how come videos of that have not been released to the public yet? Uh, it definitely was normal. Uh, <laughs> Coach, Coach definitely – did anything possible for us to, you know, get pumped before the game. And, and that was, you know, his way showing, you know, his energy and his, uh, his, his fight towards the game. So, uh, I mean, when he did that, then uh, we got hyped too. And, we, you know, we start we start actually, you know, getting ready for the game. So that those type of moments kind of was like a, a funny moment, but serious moment at the same time. So well, uh, it, it kind of helped us. In that environment, obviously, it's a much different feel than whenever you're at 30,000 feet looking at that. <laughs> whenever you think of Coach Goat Tigers, whenever you think of him going in there, Stone Cold and Red Bulls, from an outsider's perspective, it's like, what a maniac. But in there, it's probably like a rally cry. Like that little white dude on that meme where he's yelling and the whole oh, team yeah. Yeah. is leaving. Like, those moments are real moments. Was Coach O like the motivational guy? Is that the type of coaching style he was? And how much has the team really changed since he's taken over? Um... I feel like 
he's definitely one of one of those coaches that is, that one of you know motivates his team and and does whatever it takes to motivate his team. But it, it helped us, uh, you know, it helped us, you know, keep fighting and um, you know walk into whatever stadium we're we're going in and and fighting with our hands up. So uh, uh, he has been a great coach. He he's been doing whatever possible to help us win. So um, I mean, when it when it goes to you know limiting in the practices or um just not doing as many conditioning uh runs that we normally do uh i mean all of that plays a part on our bodies and, and it helped us throughout the season just continue out the whole season playing at a high level well you guys had played at a high level you did you broke some records which is incredible i hope you go on to break some nfl records what's the first thing you're buying with that check when you get it i don't know i haven't i haven't really thought about that yet really I don't know. I'm not really thinking about that too much right now. You know, a lot of a lot of stuff is going wrong with this Corona stuff, and uh, you know, we can't even get to Min- I can't even get to the Minnesota yet. So, uh, you know, just a lot of stuff going on right now. So, uh, the money part is not really, you know, the first thing on my mind right now. You're so much more mature than I was. <laughs> so much more mature. I went pick two twenty two, a, a swift two hundred picks after you, and I bought an Escalade and put twenty fours on it the day after I got drafted. It was a bad decision. Uh, Justin, I'm so happy for you, man. ESPN had you as a zero star recruit. Now you're a first round draft pick for the Minnesota Vikings. The team made playoffs last year. I hope you go on and do great things, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. Tell the family we said hello and congratulations to them as well over there. Ladies and gentlemen, Justin Jefferson. Yeah! Atta boy! Sorry to interrupt, team. Just want to let you know that our office is becoming a cigar office. Every day we see A.J. Hawk house cigars and then Diggs got into cigars and then Nick's into cigars and we found that one company was delivering cigars to us easy, convenient, and in a magical fashion. And it was Cigar.com. We reached out to them. We said, hey, we'd like to sell your company to the people that might be interested in the same thing that we are, which is home delivery cigars with an over 1,400 different brands selection. They said, you got it. So right now, Cigar.com, when you use promo code PAT, you'll get a special offer. You'll get 15% off any order of more than $99. Plus, you'll get free shipping. Only for a limited time. But please know, there's over 1,400 brands at incredible prices on over 50 million cigars in inventory. They're the only major online retailer with rare, vintage, and pre-embargo tobacco. Samplers from mellow to medium to full-bodied. And for really dedicated enthusiasts, they have the Cigar of the Month Club where experts hand-select different blends for home delivery with special member savings. Or just buy what you want, when you want. It's entirely up to you. You can even sign up to receive daily deals via email. And talk about convenience, you can shop by brand, price, origin, sample sets, and sale items. Are you not sure what to choose? Well, the in-house experts can help. So if you're just getting started, they got you. If you want something that tastes good, you know, take a little hedge off, enjoy a little cigar. You see a lot of people doing it. It's a nice, nice thing to pass the time with. Scar.com is the way to go. They've been in business for almost 25 years and provide top-notch service. Sit back and take a break from all the craziness with a cigar from Cigar.com, just like we do at our office. This thing has been magical for us, to be 100% honest. Remember, promo code PAT, 
You get $15 or 15% off any order of $99 or more. Plus, you'll get free shipping. But you have to go to Cigar.com to get this special offer and use promo code PAT. Shout out to Cigar.com, taking care of the office, taking care of AJ Hawk, and hopefully taking care of listeners right now that are like, you know what? I wouldn't mind a cigar. Cigar.com, promo code PAT. Let's go. Speaking of PR camp, and I forgot to put it on here. I don't know how. Our commissioner just turning down forty million dollars. That's what. That's what. <laughs> listen, my commissioner Roger Goodell knows that when there's a worldwide pandemic and people are are losing their jobs and uh, the stock market's crashing and it's a bad time, Roger Goodell, my commissioner, says, "You know what? Pay me nothing for the month. Take all my money and move it to next month." <laughs> <laughs> I like, they made that a big story. And, uh, and that was obviously something where they're like, hey, but by the way, I don't think Goodell did. I don't think Goodell put this out, by the way, because he chose this a couple weeks ago. This story just got released yesterday or something like that. That's somebody in the NFL. It's like, hey, we can ride this wave of good momentum with Roger Goodell. He was eating M&Ms in his basement and chilling. Mm-hmm. Now let's say he's the everyday man. He turned down money because everybody else was in a bad spot. But everybody knows he'll just get paid the money that he lost last month and next month. And I can still respect it. Rob Manfred would never do that. <laughs> Joining us now. Number one radio show host in Pittsburgh's history. Ladies and gentlemen, former WCW commentator, the best heel walking, Mark Madden. Yeah! yeah! <laughs> Woo! Uh, I got to be honest, Pat. I'd have taken the 40 mil over the good PR. I'd have taken the 40 mil every time if I'm Goodell. But uh, good on him. He looked human at the draft. Maybe he's moving in the right direction in terms of public perception. Well, I think it's because Rob Manfred was so inept at his job whenever he called the World Series trophy a piece of metal and then the way he handled the Houston Astros thing. I think whenever you put those two next to each other, Goodell looks like a god in this thing. Well, no question, along with the perception of football as having taken uh, over from baseball as America's pastime. And uh, I don't know if you heard, but a Houston Astros employee from 2017, some low-level slug tried to sell his uh, World Series ring at auction, and the Astros stopped him because there's some kind of cause when you get a World Series ring that the team can opt to buy it back if the employee tries to sell it. But the weird part is uh, they were notified this guy had the ring on at auction by somebody banging on a trash can real fast. Never changed. I knew knew you were going somewhere, Mark. Uh, By the way, you look fantastic this morning. You look electric. Oh, I look look depressed and bored and like I just want all this crap to be over. And I I do. This is a a really bad time, not only for somebody who, who makes a living from sports, but somebody whose passion is sports. I literally have nothing to do, Pat. My my show every day is just recycled nostalgia (laughs) and looking at the NFL draft for a season that may never take place. (laughs) It's just a stink sandwich, and right now we all have to take a bite. You too, I'm sure – you know, doing this show, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, yeah, I just hit massive amounts of vitamins, walk in here and just <laughs> let things fly. I mean, that's what I've been doing. Obviously, I'm not at your level, and there's a reason because that is what I do. But let's talk about the current state of sports and things like that. I follow along with you on the internet. You're one of my favorite follows just because you are the consummate heel at all times. You're not scared to get in there and work. But some of the things you've been saying have been a little bit alarming in my eyes because I do consider you a very smart man. Tested IQ of 166. Your thoughts. That's right. Yeah, your thoughts are. Which, by the way, normal person below a hundred. So, I mean, you start doing the math. I mean, you're a superhuman. Um, Most of my listeners let way below a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> 
Get them however you can. But the uh, the things you've been saying about you don't see how sports come back anytime soon, in my eyes, it has been a bit alarming. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Well, never mind football, Pat. Sports has become political football. Uh, the two sides in the country, the left and the right, are going back and forth. And whatever one wants, the other doesn't. Uh, the, the left, the Dems, they don't want sports to come back because – if you want sports to come back, you're selfish and you want people to die. That is pretty much the attitude that, that, that one side has toward the other if they want sports. It's like, look at Fauci. Fauci said sports could be restarted under certain conditions, and that's the one thing people don't want to believe. I don't know why people have it in for sports and don't want it to start, including like Deadspin. Deadspin, which used to be really good and now really sucks. (laughs) All their their good writers left. Now they have a bunch of clowns who who can't write, period. The ones who do write fairly well don't know how to write the style. But they're campaigning against sports coming back. Every article they have, how can you even think about it? Well, what happens when you get fired? Because there's no sports, because there's not a lot of call for sports commentary when games don't get played in, like, say, six months or a year which is what we seriously might be looking at. Uh, I'm just not optimistic because I haven't seen a restart plan for anything that I really like. And nobody's run much past the players. The players are spoiled, whiny brats in just about every sport. They're not going to want to come back unless it's perfectly 100% safe. Pat, it's true. Look at what Curse John Trapp said. They said if they do that Arizona bubble, we're not playing. It's your job play other people are doing their jobs that are in far more danger it's your job so play now the only sport where that might be different is football because in football the players do what they're told for better or worse and football has so much power the networks have so much power that football just might bulldoze its way in and play no matter what anybody else wants. I mean, you taking a shot at a lot of players who are, in their eyes, sticking up for their health and their friends' health is is wildly hilarious, and we could address that. But I do want to talk about... Oh, let's, let's address it. It's their no, job. I, I understand. We, we need morale <laughs> in this country. Pat, if we played all the major sports through World War II, we never stopped during World War II. They were sending one-armed guys out to play the outfield in Major League Baseball during World War II. If we can play during World War II, we can play during this. Okay. I don't think World War II had a virus that was potentially just floating through the sky and killing people, which is what they were saying earlier. I don't know if it's still... a virus that was going to show up and kill people. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me. Nazis were a bad virus. I agree. But I, I would assume that some stadiums out there are okay. But let's... Well, Pat, you, you would say that because you're an ex-player. But you're not one of the Brotherhood anymore. Okay? Uh, you, you'll, you'll go as far as I have someday, son, if you realize that. <laughs> I do. Uh, no, seriously, these guys got to play. That's their job. If they're told to play, they should play. Okay. Well, I'd assume that they have arguments in that, but I do want to talk about playing. The Korean Baseball Association or organization or whatever is getting back into the swing of things over in Korea, which was one of the earliest countries that was hit. They were on a full lockdown for a bit. They're getting back into sports. Does that make you a little bit more optimistic, or do you think things are going to be a bit different over here? Uh, they'll be different over here. The, the, the athletes in Korea aren't spoiled brats. <laughs> Believe me, when this gets run past the athletes, the athletes are not going to want to play. What will make okay. the athletes want to play? Hockey agents. And, and hockey's the one where you think, okay, they're team guys, they'll come back. The hockey agents I've talked to are, are pessimistic. By the way, did you know Young Ho Gun is playing in Korea? Young Ho Gun. Uh, that's... Remember no, the pirate guy? 
The no, I don't remember Young Ho. There was a guy, there was a Pittsburgh Pirate named Young Ho Gun. Yeah, you don't remember that. The Pirates stink. I don't pay attention yeah. to them, Mark. See, that totally spoils my joke, Pat, because he got arrested a bunch of times for drunk driving over here. And I was <laughs> going to say, let him play baseball. Just don't let him drive. And now you spoil the joke by not knowing who he was. <laughs> I know who Jason Kendall is. If you would have said Jason Kendall was playing over there, I would have lost my mind. It still hit 200. <laughs> <laughs> and his pop time. His pop time. Jason Kendall's pop time was second to none. What do you think it would take for the players to want to get back into this thing? Now, you're saying they're spoiled brats. I'm saying they're probably thinking about their families and their futures. But let's just get past that point. What do you think the players would need to get back into the arena? Well, first off, the thing about their families, they would be quarantined from their families. And if they don't want to do that, I get it. But, you know, a lot of people travel or on the road all the time and don't see their families very much. You know, you're asking athletes to finally accept sacrifices that normal people have been accepting for years. Uh, so for, from that, so I just want to get that out of the way. But the, what was the what was the other question? What do you think it would take for these athletes who have a sacrificed vaccine. have sacrificed vaccine. their entire life, by the way, they've sacrificed a vaccine period. So you think a vaccine is what's going to be needed for this world to get back running, especially in the sports world? Yes. Yes, I do. That's not how it should be. And if we get a vaccine, what if it's like the flu and the vaccine doesn't guarantee that, uh, that you can't get it? Then where do we go? I mean, not just sports-wise, but societally. It just – this is just – I don't know. I, there's no right or wrong way to handle all this because it's unprecedented – I kind of look at what Sweden did where they just, you know, use social distancing but didn't shut anything down, and they've developed herd immunity or, or, or closer to it than we are. I don't know if there's a right or a wrong way here. I don't know if it's been handled poorly or correctly. It's just, it's just unprecedented. That's why whenever I, I see the finger of blame being pointed anywhere, I just kind of go, I don't know about that because, again, unprecedented. Yeah, we live in a wild time. Wrestling is still continuing, though, which you are a big fan of. Are you still well, watching? Right, because those guys do what they're told. They're scared <laughs> to death of losing their job. They, they would they would dive into a big vat of coronavirus <laughs> if it meant keeping their job. Okay, let's talk about the people who would dive into a vat of coronavirus to keep their. That's a good spot, by the way. I'm sure you'd agree. Yeah, put a big, put a big, maybe like a, a pot or like a bowl of it, you like can a run stew. Run the ring with the mode of coronavirus. <laughs> it, 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 you lose if you get thrown into it in more ways than one. Would you ever get back into wrestling when you were commentating at WCW? I mean, it was electric on Monday nights. Everybody thinks I stink. Uh, I stunk now, but that's a bunch of marks who. Or jealous because I got to do it and they didn't. I had a great time doing it. It was a, a, a product and it's death rattle, but I really enjoyed it. Would I ever get back into it? Pat, I think I'm too old. I, I really do. I'm 59. I've never been in, in the best shape or the best health. Uh, to get back on the road all the time and handle that, I, I don't think I could. I don't think I'd be interested. Not to brag, but I'm about to do exactly that. I make more money than probably two-thirds of the in-ring performers working in wrestling today. So there's no financial need for me to do it. So even though it was the time of my life, and I've been doing some of those fan conventions, those star casts that yeah, that guy yeah. Conrad Thompson does. He's a great guy. I enjoy doing them a lot. I get to see the boys again. That's going to be, I, I think, about the extent of my participation. What are those star casts like? I, I've never been to one, but I've seen the collection of stars that they got. It looks like a good time. It's exactly what you think it is. It's just a bunch of marks getting autographs and 
taking pictures and having conversations. And we go up on stage and we do panels and discussions and stuff like that. Uh, I, I did one with Brian Pillman Jr. Okay. Uh, me and a couple other guys and uh, young Brian because he and his dad and I were extremely close back when I, you know, miss Brian. I did, you know, I, I always talk about Eddie Guerrero because I was friends with him. I that dark side of the ring stuff. Th- those shows are great, by the way. Oh yeah. Mm. And uh, I was real good friends with Benoit too. And it's like illegal to say that. And he did what he did, and there's no forgiving that. But he was a great guy. So you know, th- as weird as it sounds, even though that particular documentary brought back a lot of painful memories, it brought back a lot of good memories of Chris and Eddie as well. Because Chris and Eddie were like a package. That's how. They were discussed. Chris and Eddie. They were like a single organism. They were so close. Okay. Uh, I want to pivot back to the NFL. If you're not going to get back into wrestling, I'm not happy about that, but I understand the health concerns. It's a wildlife. Well, Uh, well, to be fair, Pat, nobody wants me either. (laughs) If AEW wanted you or WWE wanted you, would you go? I I, I wouldn't work for Vince McMahon ever. Uh, You you know what I'm talking about. He, He does the human cockfighting gimmick all the time. He pits people against each other. He lies all the time. If you want an argument against working for Vince McMahon, read Jim Ross's new book, uh, Under the Black Hat, because nobody was more loyal to Vince McMahon than Jim Ross. And some of the things Vince McMahon did to Jim Ross were unforgivable. The way he embarrassed him, the way he treated him behind the scenes, absolutely unforgivable. And if he can do that to Jim Ross, he can do that to anybody. Okay, how about AEW then in your eyes? Well, um... That's not going to happen, but I, I think it's a great promotion. Okay. Uh, I love watching it. It's my only regular wrestling watch. Actually, here's what I do. I'm a big, you know, friend and fan of the Flair family. Okay. So uh, I flip back and forth between AEW and NXT on Wednesdays, but the only time I stay with NXT is if Charlotte Flair's wrestling. Woo! And last by the way, she had a great match with Mia Yim. Uh, Charlotte Flair's the best in-ring performer in wrestling today. Man or woman, it's not even close. But otherwise, I think AEW is a great show. Uh, because of the Jim Ross influence and because Tony Khan was a big fan of this era, it reminds me a lot of Mid-South wrestling from the 80s. It's it's very focused, very intense, uh, very traditional. I, I like it a lot. Uh, well, they're doing well. They're winning ratings battles. Well enough, yeah. What's that? Well enough. I mean, like I always say, they draw like 700,000 you know, viewers per week, WCW and it's death rattle with me on color drew like, you know, 2.5 million all the time. (laughs) It's a different time. Certainly their product now is better than our product then, but you know, stuff like that needs to be noted. They're doing well by the standard of the day, but it's a much different day. Well, there's a lot more options for content now with the internet and everything like that. So I think it's a lot harder to get the numbers that you used to get for certain things. And also, I think maybe whenever whenever wrestling was hitting its heyday, kayfabe was still a thing, you know? So it was like, uh, I think people were still interested as if it was like a UFC fight, like what the hell is going to happen, I think. Well, the worst thing that ever happened with wrestling was when they admitted out loud it was was, uh, predetermined. I hate the word fake, so does... Dr. D. David Schultz, apparently. By the way, did you watch that uh, Dark Side of the Ring? John Stossel catches two <laughs> open-hand slaps to the face. You know, you know what's amazing? When, before I saw that documentary, I felt bad for John Stossel. I go, ah, he didn't deserve that. And now hearing what he has to say all these years later, he deserved exactly that <laughs> and more. Dr. D should drive to his house and rough him up again. 
if he can find uh, where he lives. But, uh, <laughs> but the worst thing wrestling ever did was admit out loud that it was it was scripted and and predetermined because even though everybody knew that, and Pat, like at a wrestling crowd, even back in the seventies at the height of kayfabe, eighty percent of the people knew it was predetermined. In the 80s, probably 90. In the 90s, probably 95. But when they admitted it out loud, it keeps you from suspending disbelief. And now, you know, all the smart fans, so-called smart fans, the, the smart marks, they go on Internet and they get Meltzer's dirt sheet and they think they're in on it. And they go to big shows and try to ruin the show. They won't let the promotion just book the storylines. If they don't like it, they chant. They, they cheer at the wrong times. They try to ruin the show. Is that their right as a consumer? Of course it is. They bought the ticket. Are they dickheads? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark. Let's get back to the – let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers now at this point. Can you turn off that music? All right, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers real quick, Mark. It was alleged by a guy named Nick Citro, who's a Tampa Bay Bucks reporter, that Jameis Winston turned down another lucrative offer to go join the Saints for $1.1 million. Then Nick Citro said that the Pittsburgh Steelers were the team that offered Jameis Winston a much more lucrative offer to be the backup quarterback. A lot of people saw Jameis Winston going to the Pittsburgh Steelers because he and Ben Roethlisberger, people were saying, were similar. And obviously, after last year with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges, you would think the Steelers would be in the market for a backup quarterback because they almost made the playoffs with, you know, pretty average quarterback play. You came off the rafters on this guy yesterday, and the Steelers came out and said they were nowhere near uh, negotiating with a veteran quarterback. What are your thoughts on this whole thing, and what do you think ultimately happened, and do you think Andy Dalton is potentially a Pittsburgh Steeler? I think Andy Dalton's potentially a New England Patriot. Uh, okay. I know that Bill Belichick is, is high on this Stidham kid who's barely playing. I think Andy Dalton, he's no Brady, but he's Tom Brady light. He could fit into that system pretty quickly and pretty efficiently. As far as the Winston thing goes, this this guy from uh, – what's his name? Nick Citro. That's probably the last time it will be ever mentioned on a prominent media outlet again. <laughs> this guy is not a New Orleans Saints reporter. He is an amateur fanboy blogger. And he said he had inside sources with the Steelers. Yeah, I bet he called Art Rooney. And Art Rooney's secretary said, hey, Art. The amateur fanboy blogger from New Orleans is on the phone. And I bet Art picked the phone right up, not to quote Wayne's World. So I don't believe anything that guy said. He, Like I said, that's the problem with the media today. There's professionals like you and me, and there's amateurs like this guy who just makes stuff up. Nate Burleson on the NFL Network saying Ben kept the Steelers from drafting a quarterback. He lied. He just made something up. Ooh. All the ex-players are still mad. Because Antonio Brown showed his ass after he left Pittsburgh, and it turned out his problems weren't caused by Ben Roethlisberger after all. As far as Winston to Pittsburgh goes, they were never going to bring a quarterback in. Rooney, Colbert, and Tom would have been telling us for months that they were satisfied with Mason Rudolph as the backup. And as far as what's best for Winston, it would have been better for him to come to Pittsburgh because Ben's coming off elbow surgery, missed 14 games last year. That would be a more likely chance to play. I know Drew Brees missed a couple games last year, but he's healed. And over his career with the Saints, Pat, he's played 97% of the Saints games. So Winston needs to find a place where it's likely he'll play. If Pittsburgh had offered and the offer had been better financially, he definitely would have come to Pittsburgh. So I know that offer was not made. 
both in terms of what I've been told and both in, ter- and in terms of what logic dictates. So you're thinking that Nick Citro guy was potentially played by Jameis Winston's people in telling him, hey, this is who we had an offer by, because I think they were trying to stir up the fact that numerous teams were interested in him, and he ended up at the Saints for $1.1 million. I would assume this Citro guy's inside source was a part of Jameis Winston's team that was just flooding information. I would assume he just absolutely made it up out of thin air because he had nothing else to post on his amateur blog that day. Uh, okay, a lot of blogs do well, but I respect it. I've never heard of the guy. I actually said I've never heard of this. No, their blog, Pat, there are blogs and there are blogs. Like stuff like The Big Lead, technically that's a blog, but it's paid professionals and it's run that way. This this syndrome guy, it's just amateur hour. Look at it. It's amateur hour. Best deal in the business. Best no, no, I'm, not being, I'm not being a heel here. I'm being no, yeah. 100% correct. Um, <laughs> well, if you were Aaron Rodgers, how would you feel about them after making the NFC Championship game? Okay, They make the NFC Championship game one game away from the Super Bowl. You have four years left on your contract. You played pretty good last year, 586 yards in drops. You probably would have played better if somebody would catch the ball for you. And they take your successor, who's supposed to be there in about four years, in Jordan Love. Uh, I wouldn't be happy, but not from the standpoint that Jordan Love's a threat to my job, Pat. Do you think Jordan Love's a threat to Aaron Rodgers this no, year? No. Or even next year, or even the year after that, if Aaron Rodgers maintains his level of play? I'd be mad because they didn't get me help at wide receiver with that pick. Yes. That's exactly what would make me mad. But but from what the from what my inside sources at Green Bay tell me, <laughs> uh, uh, Matt, Matt LaFleur is just tired of Aaron Rodgers, and I don't blame him there because Aaron Rodgers looks like an easy guy to get tired of. Oh. And, uh, and uh, great quarterback, no question. But I think Matt LaFleur just wanted to get some leverage on Aaron Rodgers, and he figures this is it. But someone needs to tell Coach LaFleur that if there's a battle between him and Aaron Rodgers, there's only ever going to be one winner. <laughs> yeah, and that same person, by the way, was the one that they chose instead of Mike McCarthy to go forward. And now here we are with the last dance running and Jerry Cross being made out as this bad guy who wanted to transform the team so he would get a little bit more credit. Do you see that same type of thought being put in play here by Gunther Kuntz, the GM of the Green Bay Packers? He wants to be able to get the credit because anytime they win, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers as opposed to Gunther Kuntz. It wouldn't shock me if if they got inspiration from that documentary. <laughs> but what they really should figure out is the Bulls never won again after Jerry Krause beat Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson. Boy, that is no less inexplicable to this day all these years later that they broke up that team like they did merely because Jerry Krause didn't like Phil Jackson and for whatever reason, Jerry Reinsdorf uh, backed the wrong horse. Uh, but, but the thing with Aaron Rodgers is he can get kind of twitchy. Everybody knows that. He shouldn't, but he might. And then you got Brett Favre jumping into the mix. Oh, yeah. Saying, saying today that Aaron Rodgers will probably finish his career with another team, to which I say, hey, Brett, just because you were a big baby when they added Aaron Rodgers doesn't mean Aaron Rodgers has to be a big baby when they add Jordan Love. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the mouth of Pittsburgh. Tested- Pat, I'm just telling like, Pat, you know Brett Favre's a big baby. No, no, I, <laughs> no, I saw just Brett. You played with the very gracious Peyton Manning. Doesn't mean there aren't big babies out there in the highly paid world of quarterback. Brett Favre hit a golf ball 397 yards this last offseason, and I've never been more impressed with a guy with zero copper flex on. Zero copper flex on. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, take it 
crazy. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, test an IQ of 166. The mouth- Always a pleasure, Pat. Pat, one last thing. You yeah. got to come back. You got to punch for Pittsburgh. I don't. Well, if they would have got Jameis, I would have thought about it. <laughs> oh, you, you are a liabetic. <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Mark Matt. Yeah! 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 Appreciate you, man. Oh, I love that, man. Legend. I do. I love that, man. You should see Pittsburgh. Right now, Pittsburgh's probably upside down because of what he just said. Every word that comes out of his mouth, all of Pittsburgh reacts to. It is either absolute hatred or love for that guy. And you can see it. And he's embraced it for 20-plus years now, not only in the wrestling world, but in the sports talk world. I love him burying that Nick Citro guy. Oh, I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> I feel bad for Nick. I'm so sorry, but it just had to be done. Another week down here in this wild time to be alive. I believe Texas is deciding to go ahead and release the hounds. I hope you guys stay safe down there. I would assume a lot of other states are watching on, hoping that your your curve, your titty curve on the thing doesn't spike back up. Stay safe, please, wherever the hell you are. And remember, the sun is brightest after its darkest dawn. Batman said that. Keep that in mind when things are starting to get south. I appreciate the hell out of all of you. You're the absolute greatest. Ty Schmidt. You know what, actually, from all of us, I hope you know, we appreciate the hell out of you. Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music. 